This film is lit. The podcast where we finally settle the score on one simple question. Is the book really better than the movie? I'm Brian, and I have a film degree, so I watch the movie, but don't read the book. And I'm Katie. I have an English degree, so I do things the right way and read the book before we watch the movie. So prepare to be wowed by our expertise and charm as we dissect all of your favorite film adaptations and decide if the silver screen or the written word did it better. So turn it up, settle in, and get ready for spoilers, because this film is lit. The journey continues. The ring moves closer to Mordor, and the battle for Middle-earth begins. It's the Lord of the Rings, the Two Towers, and this film is lit. Hello and welcome back to This Film is Lit, the podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books. We're back into our summer series, mm-hmm. jumping back into Lord of the Rings with The Two Towers, book three and four of Book two, if you're looking at it like a normal person. Book three and four, if you're looking at it the way Tolkien uh, sort of split it up into his six-part series. His creative vision. Yes, uh, his creative vision of one tome, six parts. This is book three and four, and we're going to be talking about them. Uh, Jenna is not joining us in the studio this week. Yeah, she wasn't able to make it in town. able to make it down to the studio, but... That's okay. Uh, If you listen to to our Harry Potter episodes, you kind of know how we do this. We're going to do it the exact same way and have... Uh, her questions recorded and spliced them in. So we still have all of her questions. We still get to do all that. That does mean, though, we won't have a guess who because she's not here to play. But well, there's only a couple new characters anyways. Yeah. I mean, we could do it with like Eowyn and Grima maybe. But it would be probably pretty obvious mm-hmm. because it would only be new characters. And like one of them's a woman. One of them's a greasy old man. Like, <laughs> I mean, there are more. There's Eomir and all this. But, but still, it's not a... And then Treebeard was one yeah, of them that I had. Yeah, there was a pretty good extended description of Treebeard. <laughs> yeah, I had the Treebeard description. And I'm like, well, that'll be pretty obvious. But, <laughs> um, so we're not going to play Guess Who this time, unfortunately. But uh, the plan is to have her back in studio for the third book, hopefully. Yes. That's the plan. Because uh, she's going to be down, so we're going to try to make that work. But in the meantime, we're still going to be able to do all of the rest of our segments. And we have plenty to get to, so no Guess Who isn't that big of a problem. Let's do a quick Let Me Sum Up. Let me explain. There is too much. Let me sum up. We didn't write anything for this. I'm just going to quickly <laughs> uh, summarize the two towers in case you haven't read it or watched it recently and you want a brief reminder. So here's what happens. Frodo and Sam set out on um, this, this is a lightning speed round recap. Frodo and Sam set out on their journey to take the ring to Mordor on their own. It's where we left them at the end of uh, Fellowship of the Ring. Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli are pursuing Merry and Pippin who have been kidnapped by Urukai and are, who are being taken to... Isengard. They're taking the Hobbit's Isengard. <laughs> uh, uh, they're pursuing them. Uh, we'll kind of bounce back and forth here. Uh, the main storyline, uh, or the more interesting storyline to some extent, is uh, the Aragorn and company run into uh, the Riders of Rohan, realize that the Riders of Rohan killed the Urukai that were taking Merry and Pippin, but Merry and Pippin are nowhere to be found. They at first think they had died, to in fact find out, realize they survived and escaped into Fangorn Forest, where Merry and Pippin run into Treebeard. And begin their relationship with Treebeard, have a discussion with him. In the movie, they try to convince him to go to war with Isengard and to take down Saruman. Uh, they have an int move, cut back. Frodo and Sam, meanwhile, are traveling through uh, Emin Moyle, I believe, uh, through the rocky terrain, uh, having some troubles, mountain climbing and whatnot. Uh, 
They end up, they needed Alex Honnold there. That's a uh, climbing reference for anybody. Um, <laughs> deep cut climbing reference for any of our climbing people out there. Um, uh, uh, they end up capturing Gollum, who's stalking them. Uh, they capture him, they take him, and they say, hey, promise on the ring you're going to lead us to Mordor, or to the Black Gate, because we gotta get, uh, we got to take, we got to get into Mordor. He goes, sure, we'll do that. They head out on their way through the Dead Marshes. Uh, some stuff happens there. Nothing super interesting. See some stuff. Cut back. Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas now meet back up in the woods that they're looking for Merry and Pippin. Meet up with, whoa, surprise, Gandalf. He's alive. He's Gandalf the White now. He goes, uh, hey, let's go back. They're fine. I saw them yesterday. Merry and Pippin are fine. Let's go back to Edoras. We'll talk to Theoden. Uh, we, you need to talk to Theoden. They go back there, talk to him. They're like, hey, uh-oh, the Saruman's coming. He's going to come kill you after uh, uh, Gandalf goes all exorcism on Theoden, kicks Scream out. They're like, well, Saruman's going to come kill you. So they're like, let's run. run let's go. F- we got to do something about it. And Theoden's like, well, let's go to Helm's Deep. And they're like, oh, not a great idea, but OK, fine. Again, then we'll talk about the differences there. Um, they run to Helm's Deep. Big Helm's Deep battle. Uh, they get attacked by 10,000 Urukai. 300 men stand against 10,000 Urukai. They ride out. They have a glorious thing. Gandalf returns with Eomir, saves the day. Fantastic. Uh, that's the end of that storyline. They they defeated the Urukai army, and, and Rohan will live for another day. Um, cut back to Merry and Pip. They uh, don't convince, initially, the Treants to go to war uh, against Isengard and Saruman, but they trick him into walking, tricks Treebeard into walking past Isengard on the way home, and he's like, whoa, dude, look at all this bad stuff he did. Let's fight him. And then they go into the war. They defeat Saruman. All the Ents defeat Saruman. They they cleanse Isengard with the waters of the Entwash, I believe. Mm-hmm. And that storyline wraps up. Saruman is defeated, basically. Okay, cool. And then cutting back to Frodo and Sam, they run into Faramir, Boromir's brother. Uh, he k- takes him. He's like, hey, you got the ring. Uh, we should probably take you to uh, Gondor because we could use that thing. Take him down to Osgiliath. Ultimately decides, no, never mind. I'm going to let you go. Uh, let's him go. And then Frodo and Sam journey on. To their uh, because they, I may skipped it, but they they were gonna go in the Black Gate. Gollum's like, this is a bad idea. Don't go in the Black Gate. I got a better idea. The place that's a better idea is the stairs of Kirthungul, which is where they're traveling. Uh, at the end of this movie, they're heading to Kirthungul, and we know that she lives there, and she's gonna help Gollum get the ring back. We don't know who she is yet, but that's where our story and our tale ends in this movie. And that's your recap of the two towers. Um, and there is a bit more in the book. Uh, there's some stuff yes, at the end I of should, the book we should say that, here. that they moved into Return of the King. So we're going to hold off on we, talking about we, that We stuff. stopped a couple chapters early in both book three and book four, which are the two parts of Two Towers, um, because they both go a few chapters beyond where this movie ends. Mm-hmm. And we could have done that last time as well. Or yep, sorry, yeah, we yeah, could have yeah. read forward a couple yeah. chapters. Probably would have made sense because we knew the movie was the first couple chapters of two towers, but that's fine. Or that fellowship ended with the first couple chapters of two towers. We didn't do that, but we thought maybe this time it would make sense. So we don't forget what happened in those chapters mm-hmm. when we get to return of the King eventually. So we stopped, uh, on flotsam and jetsam in the fur in book three, which is where we go see what, where everybody goes and sees what's up with Isengard, um, Gandalf and everybody. So we stopped there because that's kind of where this movie ends. And then, uh, in the Frodo and Sam storyline, we stopped where they are heading to Kirith Ungol because that is where, yeah, that this was movie the, ends. The, at the crossroads. At the crossroads, journey to yeah, the crossroads, at the, the end crossroads. of that chapter, yeah. I believe. Um, because after that, we actually get to Shelob's lair in this book, mm-hmm. and that is not in this movie. It is in Return Correct. of the King. So we'll we'll save that for Return of the King. 
It also made us to read a little bit less this time, which was helpful. <laughs> <coughs> but anyways, whew, all right. Now we're all caught up. If you haven't watched him or seen him recently, let's move on to our first segment, real segment. What's that in the book? Nicholas Flamel is the only known maker of the Philosopher's Stone. The what? Honestly, don't you two read? Like the Fellowship, the podcast has broken up a little bit. I am speaking from my home in St. Louis. Hopefully the audio isn't too bad. Um, it is really hard to find a quiet place in this house because either there is AC going, there's a dog clacking around, or there are fish filters constantly going. Uh, so hopefully I don't sound too bad. So first question is, do Sam and Frodo almost get busted as soon as they make it to the Black Gate? No. They do. They go to the Black Gate all the same. Golem takes them there because he wants. they want... That's where they ask him to take him. And he's like, all right, fine, if you say so. They get there. In the book, they just see it. Gollum says, hey, I got a better way. And they leave, basically. Uh, in the movie, they add a little wrinkle where Sam falls off the cliff and is almost seen. And uh, so this sequence where they almost get caught is not in the movie or not in the book. And I it's not a favorite movie ad of mine, <laughs> uh, mainly because the way it's edited seems very clear to me that these people would have seen the hobbits it's edited weirdly and poorly i feel like and now you can maybe argue that they're trying to show the elven magic of the cloaks but it's not i get it at the end where they're covered up with the cloak and they can't see them and like then they reveal like that i get that that's what they're going for in this moment is to kind of remind us how cool these cloaks are and that they're like super camouflaging but there's moments where they're clearly just running down the hill in broad daylight. And then we cut back to the soldiers and they're looking at the hill. And I'm like, what is happening? You know what yeah. I mean? It's just very confusing yeah. and seems like they're obviously looking at them. And, and and it doesn't really add. There's a little bit of tension that maybe they just felt this needed because it's like the Black Gate or something. I already thought the scene was effective enough on its own. Didn't think it needed this extra little bit. Again, it's a reminder for the cloaks, mm-hmm. but they don't really play a major role later in the. From what I remember, they don't play like a huge role. Yeah. To, that we needed to be reminded about, but it, whatever. I, I'm not a huge fan of it because, again, I think it's just kind of clumsily done in the movie, but uh, it's not in the book. So, Next question. How do Sam and Frodo meet up with Gollum in the book? It's pretty similar. He's creeping down on them, but in the book he actually slips and falls onto them while they're listening to him sneak up on them yeah he's like there he's like talking and similar in the movie mm-hmm. but they're like listening and they're talking amongst they're like does he know that we can hear him it's kind of <laughs> like the conversation and he actually just slips and falls off the cliff which i thought was funny yeah like he, he, and then they grab him in the movie it's like haha they like surprise they like know he's coming and they like surprise grab him and he's mm-hmm. unexpecting it not expecting it um but it is vaguely it's basically the same. It's just a slight tweak on that. Does Faramir see the ring the first time that he meets Frodo? Faramir does not see the ring uh, the first time he meets Frodo. In fact, Faramir does not know. And I think this is a kind of changed for all of them. He does not know what Isildur's Bane is. Initially, he doesn't even know that Frodo has Isildur's Bane. He doesn't know why he's there. Frodo kind of comes out and explains I'm Frodo. I'm coming this way. I was I set out with Aragorn and all these people and Boromir, and that all plays out similarly in the movie. But he eventually figures out that he has a weapon or that it's it's Sealdor's bane. But Faramir doesn't actually know that that's the ring. Mm-hmm. He in the book he's like a Sealdor's bane, but I don't know what it is. 
He said, because he even says like, well, we know he was killed by arrows, but we doubt that a sealed or's bane is a bow and arrow. Yeah. And so they don't know it's a ring or he at least he doesn't know it's a ring. In the movie, it's very clear that he says a sealed or's bane in a conversation with Boromir in the flashback. He's like a sealed or's bane, the one ring. And it's like, well, okay, so they do in the movie. They know what it is. But in the book, it's actually funny. Sam drunkenly. Uh, or at least tipsily let slip that he ha- that it is the ring that Frodo oh, has. Yeah. They're having a, they've been <laughs> they've been wined and dined and and Sam is chit chatting and he lets slip to Faramir that he does have that the the thing that Frodo is carrying is a ring and then they realize he, Faramir realizes it's the ring because mm-hmm. they know he's aware of the ring and it just doesn't put it together necessarily right away. So no, he's not not uh not doesn't see the ring on Frodo when they meet initially. Does Faramir then take the ring and Frodo slash Sam back to Osgiliath? Um, Absolutely, he does not. (laughs) Uh, Movie Faramir is maybe one of the biggest changes from the book and possibly not for the better in this particular case. I would think definitely not for the better in my opinion. I get Uh, it. We'll talk about it. it. Yeah. So more on that later. Yeah. Um, But they do not go to Osgiliath. No, yeah, we'll have a lot more on that later and more on a lot of these things coming up. But that's they don't go to Osgiliath with the ring and uh, Faramir's. We'll talk about Faramir. Does the book have a pretty balanced narrative between the multiple party perspectives now that the Fellowship has split up? Like, do they go back and forth every other chapter or is it a pretty concrete, streamlined narrative? They absolutely do not. And it is so much better in the movie. This is one of the best things the movie does is bounce back and forth mm-hmm. between Frodo and Sam and the the broken fellowship. Yeah. Um the book is the way the books work is book 3, which is the first half of Two Towers is the fellowship is uh, Aragorn, Gimli, Legolas, Merry Pippin, yeah. their adventures. It yeah. does bounce back and forth between Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, and Merry and Pippin. A little bit. A yeah. little bit. It goes back and forth between their stories, but then we don't get anything of Frodo and Sam until Book four, the second half, and then it's all Frodo and Sam and we get nothing of the Broken Fellowship. I do not. It's very it like the way they do it in the movie makes perfect sense and it's mm-hmm. very obvious. And but I'm super glad they did. But that is not how it plays out in the book. And it's uh, not for the better that it that the book doesn't do that. Fellowship of the Rings seem to speed up the timeline and plot quite a bit. Is this the same case in the two towers? Um, it's actually a, a less so in this case than it was in Fellowship. Um, things start to move faster in the book, um, and the movie follows along mostly in time with what the book is doing. Um, so, for instance, it's only been about two weeks um, from Sam and Frodo leaving the Fellowship to where they end in this book. I think, from what I, I remember, it's roughly in the ballpark of two or three weeks. Yeah, it hasn't it's, been that It has long. not been long, because at one point they say... When they're tra- like at some point after the dead marshes, they say like it's only been le- it's been less than a fortnight since we left the, the you know, took that canoe across the river or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so and then all being said, it's it's probably less than a month total from leaving the fellowship to where they are at the end of this book. Whereas in the first book, it's been I mean, from where the book starts to where the book ends, it's been 20 years or whatever or something like that. Yeah. But even just the journey in the first book is months or something like because they spend weeks and weeks if not months at Rivendell right. and, and and weeks and weeks if not months before he leaves before you know since well, some, it takes them forever to get from the Shire to Rivendell yeah yeah, too. yeah that takes yeah several weeks of, or a couple months or yeah. something like that this one they're moving pretty quickly 
um, because they're just traveling and they're also not going quite as great distances. Mm-hmm. The distance from where they are at the end of book one to where they end up here is not nearly as far as it is from like the Shire to Rivendell to yeah. down the river. So um, it's sped up quite a bit. And it seems to me the vibe I got is the movie followed along pretty closely. We have several instances where Aragorn or something will mention that they've been running for five days chasing Merry and Pippin. Mm-hmm. And that's a, the same in the book. They've been chasing the orcs for like four or five days. So it feels pretty similar to me. Did Treebeard actually stomp that mega nasty orc that tried to kill Merry and Pippin? Treebeard does not stomp a mega, mega nasty orc. <laughs> uh, it's unfortunate because that is, is a sweet moment, but that is not in the book. The orc is dispatched. All of the orcs Uruk and Urukai are dispatched before they make it into the woods. Potatoes. Okay, I got that out of my system. I really just wanted to drop the iconic line, but I guess for question's sake, do they really take a potato lunch break? Yes, potatoes. <laughs> um, they don't have any potatoes, no. much like in the movie. Um, but that line is from the book. Um, however, boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew is a movie ad. Yeah, that part of it. The second half, yeah. the second iconic half. So is... they, they took something iconic yeah. and they added to it to make it even more iconic. Yeah. Ha! Great point, Katie. Man, that was sure a funny thing that I definitely did here with both my two ears. And that whole conversation is pretty much identical, uh, where Go- it leads in with Gollum, Gollum saying, Taters, what is Taters, precious? That's right out of the book. <laughs> and then Sam's response is, uh, this first part's the same and then different. And then... Uh, Sam says, uh, you know, I could make uh, fried fish and chips that not even you could turn down. And he goes, yes, I could. Or something <laughs> like, you know, it's the exact same response. So it is very similar. But boil and mash, I'm sticking them in the stew. Not in the book. And now for the next question. Is Elrond really that against Arwen and Aragorn's marriage in the book? This isn't in the books at all. Uh, the Arwen-Aragorn. We talked about it a little bit last time. Yeah. It's mentioned in the appendices. There's a little bit of vague mention of the fact that there's something between our Aragorn and Arwen in the first book and they share a glance and blah 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 and ooh he's talking to Ar like but there's no we didn't have those scenes together there's mm-hmm. none of that um and so it, it, that it continues in this book there is nothing with El- Elrond discussing his yeah. contempt no. for their relationship or any of that again there may be in the appendices which we may read some of at some point and discuss and talk more about but uh it is not in these books or in these first two books. And I, from what I understand, it's not in the main books at all. So No, I, not, I don't, not that I remember. Yeah. Can Arwen and Aragorn actually communicate via each other's dreams? Um, they cannot. Um, I think. <laughs> I, I don't think. Again, that could be in the appendices if yeah. they can. Um, although I'm not sure if it's supposed to be a, a dream. I'm not sure about this. Because um, I initially thought it was. She right. says you're dreaming or something like that. Yeah. Wake up or whatever. But then at the end of this scene, she says, how long until you leave or something? And it looks to me like he's wearing the gear he was wearing when they left mm-hmm. Rivendell the first time or, you know, in Fellowship. Yeah. And it made me think, oh, maybe this is a memory he's having. Right. He's of when he left. And I don't know for sure which way it is, because I did read it the same way of like them somehow dream communicating mind melding yeah i actually did think that was the case when i you know when you first watch it but then and maybe this is the extended cut and i she watched the extended cut i think didn't she i think so yeah Yeah. um but in the extended cut this scene's a little bit longer and i think it becomes very clear that yeah this is a memory of Mm -hmm. an interaction they had and she's not she's talking about him dreaming in that moment because he was taking a nap or something it seems like yeah so it's it's a little bit different or not different um 
I think that's the case, but I, I don't have hard, I'm not hard and fast on that because I don't know for sure. All right, and then on top of that, does Ghost Arwen show up and like kiss Aragorn back to life in the river? Alas, no. Also, uh, there's no way that the original idea for this scene wasn't a smash cut from Arwen <laughs> kissing him to the horse, like licking his face. There's no, because it almost is that she's like kisses him. And then we cut to a wider shot with the horse walks up and starts nutting, yeah. nodding him. But that is like, I mean, think about any like romantic comedy or whatever. You, you, that is a classic, like yeah, silly comedy like, dreaming cut they where they're dreaming and the dog is licking, the dog their, is face. licking their face. Yeah. I, there's no way and with Peter Jackson's background in sort of schlocky B movies there's no way that wasn't the original idea and they're like guys this is a little bit too serious of a moment for that but it's almost that anyways but there's no way that wasn't originally what they were going for but also that's not in the book moving on from that really really hope this one is in the book but the best horse of all time that rescues Aragorn is he even mentioned in the book um Brego is it Brick? Brago, yeah. Brago is not mentioned in the books. Yeah. Um, Aragorn, Aragorn rides Asphaloth. I think that's his name. Or, There's um, those two horses yeah, that they give him. They get two horses from uh, the riders Aomir, of yeah. Rohan. Um, and, and he says them in the movie, too, and they're the same names. It's like, yeah. it's. It's like Hassel of I don't remember, but there's the two horses. He's riding one of those, and that's what he rides throughout the movie, as far as or throughout the book. Sorry, yeah. as as much as yeah. I remember. And I looked this up just to double check to make sure he doesn't get Brego like in Return of the King or something. And from what I could read uh, on like the wiki, Brego is a completely uh, made up for the movie, movie ad. ad in terms of the specific horse. Um, but it, apparently, Brego is named after a former king of Rohan, oh. like in the. Cimmerillion or something he's mentioned horse. Yeah. yeah but no he's he is the goodest horse he's a good horse boy <laughs> uh, but not not in the book all right another thing that I really hope is not just a figment of Peter Jackson's imagination but the dwarf roasting between the riders of Rohan and Gimli the uh, I would cut off your head dwarf if it stood a little bit higher from the ground the dwarf roasting is in the book it's iconic and it's almost identical that whole interaction between when they first, when Aragorn and Legos and Gimli and first meet the Roe Harim uh, and Aomir, almost verbatim, like line for line. There's a lot more in the book, but all of the highlights from that scene in the movie are out of straight yeah. out of the book, tweaked a little bit here and there. But I specifically, I would cut off your head, dwarf, if it stood but a little higher from the ground, is absolutely in the book. <laughs> And uh, Legolas is responsive. You would die before you your stroke fell. I don't know if he says that, but he pulls his bow out on him in yeah. the book. So, is what happens to Wormtongue basically the same in the book? Um, it's pretty similar. One big difference, though, um, in the movie they just toss him out, um, but in the book they actually give Wormtongue the opportunity to choose if he wants to leave or if he wants to fight for Rohan and try to redeem himself. Uh, but he nopes the heck out. <laughs> yeah, they're like, and I thought it was really interesting because I remember in the movie he just kind of like runs away, like yeah. Theoden almost kills him, and then he just kind of runs. And then in the book, I was like, oh, that's not exactly. They're like, give him a chance to redeem himself. Come fight with us. And I'm like, really? You got to trust yeah, him to right? come you fight with that you? Guy around? And also, and, and again, I, I, it was probably a little bit, uh, my idea of him was probably a little bit colored by the movie version yeah. where he's not a fighter. Yeah, like he, does he doesn't come across like he can as a guy who's going to do much on the, the sword. Yeah, on the <laughs> battlefield for you. So I was like, that's. 
that's weird, but okay. <laughs> okay, more dwarf talk. Is the dwarf woman talk and the beard talk between Gimli and Eowyn in the book? Alas, no. I'm going for a movie amount of alasses here, by the way. But uh, no, the, the dwarf talk, the talk of female dwarves and their beards between Gimli and Eowyn <laughs> and Aragorn does not take place in the book. That is a movie, a moment of levity added for the movie. And then speaking of Eowyn, is this like unrequited romance between her and Aragorn even mentioned? Eowyn is super thirsty for Aragorn. Um, and why wouldn't you be? I mean, who can blame her? Um, but they don't really have any scenes together in the book. No. They might have one. This is one I was going to go back and double check and I couldn't remember for sure. They may have a scene or two where they like talk a little but there's yeah. nothing like the movie where they have like extended like conversations and like uh, moments together at all. Uh, it's more so like he's she most of what we get about their sort of her thirst for him is mm-hmm. a description of her longing looks at him. Yeah. Like basically yeah. she's like, "Ooh, who is this handsome fellow?" Like that's that's the extent of what Tolkien wrote, you know, about this female's perspective is this this man's <laughs> handsome. But, um, well, at least he didn't try to dwell in it. That's fair, fair enough. <laughs> um, but the romance is, its again, it's alluded to. There may be more in Return of the King, mm-hmm. at least from her perspective in the book. It's alluded to the fact that she's into him. Uh, it may go more in the book. The movie in the third book, the second book doesn't have much in terms, not nearly as much as the movie yeah. does in terms of like putting in this love triangle thing that's going on now between yeah, him and Eowyn. and ramps that up. Yeah. And the elf army at Helm's Deep, is it there or is that just for cool action sequences? There are zero elves at Helm's Deep in the book. No. Sorry. No, <laughs> there is at least one. You're right. <laughs> I screwed that up. Uh, I wrote that answer and I didn't even think about it. There's one elf at Helm's Deep. Uh, sorry, Legolas. Um, and there's an Aragorn's Numenor, which is like. He's a Numenor, which is they're somewhat descendant from a similar bloodline at some point or something, I think, which is why yeah. he lives a long time. Yeah. I don't know. But anyways, uh, no, the the company of elves who show up, uh, Haldir and his company of elves that show up to help them in the movie does not happen in the book. There is, however, a line that I feel very confident was what inspired <laughs> this moment yes. is that. Uh, Legolas says what I wouldn't give for a a, a, a company of elven archers like when they're yeah. s- kind of going over their battle plans and then like the men they have and whatever. And I think it's very obvious that that they were like, yeah. well, let's do like, that. Yeah. Peter Jackson read that and was like, you know what? <laughs> That's a good idea. Me too. <laughs> That's a good idea. Legolas. <laughs> um, and we'll also I think and uh, we're going to do it now. Um, I was speculate the other. Uh, I think the main reason this is added is one. We get to see some elves fight. It's mm-hmm. cool. Whatever. And, and again, it kind of adds some more interesting political dynamics between, you know, because when Haldir shows up with them, he says like a uh, an allegiance once stood between elves and men. I'm here to renew that allegiance or whatever, yeah. kind of setting yeah. up the greater themes of, of working together between the different groups and species and mm-hmm. peoples and that sort of thing. And I, it's not a bad idea. Uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense time wise in terms of like how they got there, when, how, who, how they knew, yeah. uh, like maybe just <laughs> wait, hand wave it away with Galadriel. Like uh, it's Galadriel. She knew and sent them. Oh, like, that's hundred percent why they showed her. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that, that is why they show up in the movie. They're like Galadriel sent us, but it's like, well, how did she know? Okay. Whatever. Yeah. Fine. doesn't matter. Uh, maybe Gandalf. Sure. He sent a, he sent a, he sent Gwai here, the uh, Lord probably, Eagle Lord. She, and she looked in her magic. Oh, yeah. Maybe cool. she looked in her magic thing, but those are things, some things that are, and some things that will not be. And some things that were, and it's, she, who I'm better knows? safe than sorry. That's true. She just, yeah, you're not wrong. 
there's a million ways you could explain how <laughs> they knew. Still think they get there a little quick from what it seems like they're supposed yeah. to be coming in the movie or in the book and like how far it is. It doesn't matter. Um, but they're absolutely mainly there in the movie to give us a named and f- and f- uh, death. Yes. In in this big epic battle that has been built up throughout the course of the movie as or the throughout the course of the second and third act of the movie as like. This uh, is this is the big the battle. big battle. This is we we're super outnumbered. We're yeah. you know we we have no chance. It's this is doom, uh, and then none of our heroes die. So it's like right. was it doom? So they they're like, well, we kind of get somebody who can die. Haldir's not going to do anything. He's not important. We know him from the first movie at least. Let's send him over there. I think is the idea. I think that's why that main one of the main reasons that happens. Oh, speaking of cool action sequences. Does Legolas shield surf down the stairs? Um, this is my favorite part of the book, <laughs> actually. Um, no. <laughs> Alas. I was like, a favorite part of the book? Yeah. Legolas does not shield surf in Helm's Deep. You know what would be fun is to write a to write in Tolkien's style that moment. <laughs> and like Tolkien's like sort of like high elevated prose yeah. um, and then and then it just drops in the, and then Legolas grabs an orc shield off the ground and does a slick sick grind down the stairs <laughs> just rail gunning arrows at orcs and kills like eight of them and it's super sick bro <laughs> like <laughs> it's like what the, oh okay um although there is a lot of things that I didn't expect to have been in the book that yes, are, and there's yeah. even some in this movie yeah. that we'll talk about later that that felt very clearly like they were added for the movie that weren't. Um, but this one, yeah, it you can tell like this is not this is not a thing in the book. So yeah, no sweet shield uh, slide, but it is a great moment. It is one of the ones I'm looking forward to find out with uh, Return of the King because I never got this far when I've read them. Is if he takes down an entire Oliphant, an entire Mumuk by himself. Yeah. Because that's kind of the, this moment of Return of the King. Like yeah, the, this is the Legolas doing cool yeah, shit. Yeah, the Legolas doing ridiculous stuff. So I'm interested to see if that happens in Return of the King, but we'll get there when we get there. That's it for Was That in the Book. Let's move on to Lost in Adaptation. Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. Was it lost? Yes, yes, and I want to get unlost as soon as possible. So now I'm going to move on to Lost in Adaptation, and I just have a couple questions for this one. Uh, one of them is, does the book go into more or some different details as to what really happened to Gandalf or what kind of the deal with Gandalf the White is? Not really. Um, I could go back and look at this and I probably should. But there's not a lot more detail about Gandalf's transformation yeah. from Gandalf. And do you recall much? In no, terms of, I mean, it's Tolkien. So there's more like flowery. It's like, a lot of flowery like and, and, and it's not too dissimilar from the movie in like time yeah. Blah, blah, yeah, that sort of thing. But it's from what I can recall, it's pretty I mean, it's, similar. It's the same basic like chain of events, if I'm remembering right. The one thing that I that is different that is mentioned in the book that we don't get in the movie, and I was paying attention to see if this happened, is that we find out that how he got off the mountain, which we don't yeah. find out in the movie. Because we just kind of see him floating through white space in the movie. He's at King's Cross Station at the end of book seven. Um, but uh, naked floating through white space. Uh, in the movie, or in the book, we find out how he, that he gets off the mount- top of the mountain. Which that whole battle plays out similarly. He gets off the top of the mountain, but because Galadriel sent Gwai here, the uh, lord of the eagles or whatever, the eagle lord. The same one that saved him from 
the top of Orthanc and mm-hmm. in, in, uh, Fellowship of the Ring, Gladriel sends him to look for Gandalf and he finds him on top of the mountain and grabs him and takes him off. So yeah. that's how he gets off the mountain. And that, that's not in the movie. But I don't think there's much more mentioned. Give me one sec. I'm going to double check it and see if I can find this moment. Okay, this is all we get in the book, and it's basically exactly what is happens in the movie. This is the battle on top of the mountain. Those that looked up from afar thought the mountain was crowned with storm. Thunder they heard, and lightning they said, smote upon Salibdil, and le- leaped back broken into tongues of fire. Is that not enough? A great smoke rose about us, vapor and steam. Ice fell like rain. I threw down my enemy, and he fell from the high place, and broke the mountainside where it smote in it his ruin. Then darkness took me, and I strayed out of thought and time, and I wandered far on roads that I will not tell. Naked I was sent back for a brief time until my task is done, and naked I lay upon the mountaintop. The tower was behind us, crumbling into dust, the window gone, the ruined stair was choked with burned and broken stone. I was alone, forgotten, without escape upon the hard horn of the world. There I lay staring upward, while the stars wheeled over, and each day was as long as a life age of the earth. That's so dramatic. So yeah, that's basically what he says in the movie, is like, I passed out of time, and, uh, and then I returned. So that's all we get in the book. <laughs> that more of that. So man, that was a really great explanation, Brian. I'm sure glad that I'm sitting right next to you in the studio. That way, I can listen to your golden honey voice. Okay, and finally, I kind of assumed not, but I thought I'd ask: Is Awen as developed as a character in the book? Does it kind of explain or maybe go into more detail as to where she learned her skills and general badassery? Uh, no, we don't really get anything more on Eowyn. Um, the movie actually goes into more detail yeah. than the book does. Um, and I think it is mentioned. I couldn't remember this. Do you remember this? I, I'm pretty sure it's mentioned, or somebody calls her a shield maiden yeah, at some so. point in the book. Um, but we don't really get any backstory other than like her general upbringing. Yeah. That's, um, well, we find out that she's the the, the nephew or the niece of Theoden, yeah. and that she's Eomir's sister, yes. and they're, they're the yeah, niece and nephew of uh, Theoden, who's the king. Yeah. But that's about it. Uh, that's about we it. don't have a scene where they're training with a sword, you know, mm-hmm. swinging a sword around or anything like that. Um, she is uh, trusted within Edoras, and Theoden actually leaves the city under her management when they go off to the Helm's Deep. Yeah. In the, well, in the book, it's slightly different. They're going yeah. off to war to fight Saruman yeah, and, and Isengard. Yeah, and then they eventually Helm's go to Deep. Helm's Deep. But they don't take everybody out of Edoras in the book. Yeah. Which we'll talk about that more later. But they uh, they leave people there and just take like the army, basically. Mm-hmm. And he leaves. He needs all the men he can take. And they're like, well, you should just leave Eowyn in charge. She's like handy. Yeah. Like she's she's, uh, you know, she, <laughs> she knows what she's doing. She knows what she's doing. So he, they, she's like respected and like but we don't get a lot of her backstory and yeah. or why she's a, or even if she's like a badass with a sword. We have no idea. But and we then, know she is a capable lady. She's a capable lady and trusted by the men of Rohan. So, All right, so I think that concludes my segment for today. Like the king, I will be returning in about a month to finish out the Lord of the Rings trilogy with these guys. Uh, until then, I don't really have anything to plug again. I guess just be sure to go out and support your local PBS station. All right, guys, have a good one. All right, that was it for Lost in Adaptation. Let's move on and really get... Deep and dirty <laughs> and better in the book. You like to read? Oh, yes. I love to read. What do you like to read? Everything. All right. First thing first, uh, we're going to talk a little bit 
and we'll do this. So this is going to be a little confusing. I want to preface all of these segments. Better in the book, better in the movie, and movie nailed it. We're going to not super go in the order that the movie does. We are, but that, so we're going to go in the order the book goes, which is we're going right. to talk about all of the storyline with Aragorn and them. And then we're going to go back and start talking about all of the storyline with Frodo and Sam because that's yeah. how our book notes are. Right. We So we do the book notes first. So that's kind of how things are organized. Yeah. And then we fill in with our movie notes as we're watching the movie. So we'll bounce around a little bit. Yeah. But generally we're going book order, which is Helm's Deep storyline and then Frodo and Sam storyline. Yes. So going off of that, we're going to talk a little bit in each segment about the, the end of Fellowship of the Ring because... Those chapters are in the very beginning of Two Towers. And mm-hmm. so we're going to talk about a couple things, including this, which is the uh, Boromir's farewell, the departure of Boromir, as the chapter is called. Um, I actually like the conversation in the book. The movie's really good and it's incredibly well acted. And it's uh, every time I get choked up uh, when they go back and forth. But I really like some of the moments in the book version that they didn't. I think this might be mentioned in the movie, but Boromir actually confesses to him. Does he confess to him? Yeah, he does in the movie. He confesses yeah. that he tried to take the ring. But he asks, he says to Aragorn, farewell, Aragorn, go to Minas Tirith and save my people. I have failed. No, said Aragorn, taking his hand and kissing his brow. You have conquered. If you have gained such a victory, be at peace. Minas Tirith shall not fail. Boromir smiled. And then Aragorn says, which way did they go? Was Frodo there? But Boromir did not speak again. I, like it, it's pretty similar and it's not much longer. There's more I skipped up in the top uh, half of that. Mm-hmm. But um, I like Aragorn's sentiment to him there. And he says a similar thing in the movie. I guess it's pretty similar. I actually don't know which version I like more. Now that this note <laughs> I wrote so long ago that I don't recall what it meant because I, when I, when I looked at this, it just says that the conversation is a bit longer and better. I don't know if I meant in the book or in the movie. I might've meant in the movie. So scratch this potentially. I'm gonna leave it in here, and you can. <laughs> you can make up your own make up your own mind. But I, I thought one of them was better, and now I can't remember which because it's been so long since we watched that movie and since I read the conversation. So I know we have to have the extra time in between to read these yeah. books, but we've run some risks. Yeah, there are some risks, especially with where they overlap, which is why one of the reasons that we stopped where we get yes. this time, so that we don't have that big long gap between when we read Shelob's Lair and then when we watch it a month from now. So. Anyways. Uh, so I like in the book that they put all of the weapons of the orcs that Boromir killed in the boat. I thought them. that was an interesting little thing. That yeah. The movie doesn't. If they do it, I didn't notice it. Yeah. And it's specifically mentioned in the book because he slays all of these orcs or Urukai technically. Mm-hmm. And they gather up all of their swords and put them on the boat with them like. Yep, good job. <laughs> I was like, that's badass. Like, that's cool. I just thought that was a cool thing. Um, and it's mentioned in the book. This is really, this is a great moment in the book that's not in the movie, is when they when they run into Aomir, he, they're talking about where they've all been. They're recapping their adventures, and they say, we sp- we were in Lothlorien, and we talked to Galadriel. And Aomir's like, ooh, don't trust that lady of the wood or whatever. She's a crafty wench. Um, or see, it's not what he says. But he says something. He speaks yeah. ill of her. And I love this. Gimli comes at him and was like, hey, man, you don't even know her. <laughs> and Aomir immediately apologizes and says, I'm sorry for speaking ill. I would gladly learn better. 
And I was like, you know what, people? Be like Aomir. <laughs> Everybody in the world, just take a note from Aomir. Refreshing and unproblematic. Right? It is like the least, it is the least problematic element in this, in everything ever. But um, it's so amazing because it's just like, he just immediately is like, oh, my bad. I'm sorry. I would like to learn more. It's like, yes, Aomir. Get him, bud. <laughs> Look at you. Admitting your... <laughs> Your lack of knowledge and wanting to learn from somebody who knows who has a lived experience better than it more relevantly applies to the situation than you. Be like Aomir, man. Um, and also Gimli, a true ally. Yeah, right. Calling out toxicity. Yeah, right. Oh, I love hey, it. man. It's so great. It's such a little moment in the book, but I was like, holy shit. Look at woke toking over here. I mean, not really, but... Yeah, so many really, problems, but. <laughs> but that little moment in context I thought was really great. Um, so elves apparently sleep with their eyes open. Yeah, it's mentioned in the book. Yeah, it, it's I don't we, I don't know if we ever see Legolas sleep. To be fair, I, I guess it's never mentioned, movie. and it's never mentioned. Yeah, but one thing we do see in Return of the King, we do see Gandalf sleeping with his eyes open. I remember this where he has the Palantir, <laughs> yeah. and Mary goes over to get the Palantir, and Gandalf's eyes are open. And so Gandalf sleeps with his eyes open. I don't know. And that's not mentioned in the book, at least not yet. Um, but Legolas, or the elves, Legolas sleeps with his eyes open. That's so <laughs> it's creepy. so weird and creepy. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's in the book. And there's a little detail that I thought was really funny. Another fun thing from the end of Fellowship, the movie, is when Merry and Pippin are captured at the end of the, or in the beginning of this book, it's mentioned that Mary cuts off several arms yeah. of orcs that are attacking or Urkai that are attacking them and trying to grab them. They says that they, it's a mention that he cuts off a, a couple of arms, which I was like, why is that not in the movie? Why is Mary not slicing off a couple arms that are trying to grab them in the movie? They just kind of pick them up and they're like, oh no, and they get carried away. Yeah. It's like, oh, come on. That would be so great if he got to slice a few arms off, but all right, whatever. Um, orc medicine is. We see it in the. We movie. see it in the movie, which I wasn't expecting. Yeah, that's a deleted scene for sure. Yeah, but um, or orc drink or draft, something. draught or whatever, yeah. however that's pronounced. Um, but apparently, orc medicine is like a wonder drug. It it works very well, but it I think it's implied. What I thought was interesting because they give some to Mary because he's sick and Pippin yeah. because they're like they're not you know they're injured and they're they're tired and whatever and. After they get it in the book, they're able to like Pippin's inner monologue is like, wow, I can actually run. And I feel yeah. like it revitalized me. But it's also, I think, kind of implied similar to like alcohol or something where it's he feels the wear of it on him over mm -hmm. to like it's it's not like a without its problems, but it actually works really well for which I thought was just an interesting like these orcs came up with like a really effective some sort of, you know, draft of some sort, because yeah. a lot of times we don't see them being especially in the movies. Um, and even in the books, we don't spend much time with them. But yeah, we don't know anything about, about their culture, culture or like, you know, uh, how they, they're always just portrayed as like completely like idiotic, like mm -hmm. pure, like animalistic. Yeah, they're foot soldiers. Yeah. They're just like, that's all they do. Yeah. And they're stupid and they, you know, and it, but it, it seems that, you know, they have their own thing going on. And I just thought that was an interesting little detail. Mm hmm in the book and it is like i said like you said it does actually show up in the movie but they don't comment on it and it does work because they drink it and then mary comes too or whatever but yeah. they don't really comment on it very much but anyways one of the things that happens in the book is when they're getting after they get uh mary and pippin get um 
dropped and the Rohan or the Rohirrim are attacking or whatever, mm-hmm. and they crawl away. The orc Grishnak or whatever his name is, I yeah. believe it is, comes over to him and they talk him into like untying them and taking them himself by convincing them that they have the ring, basically, Mm -hmm. or that they have whatever the thing is that Saruman's looking for. And one of the ways he does that, Pippin does this, is he starts pretending to be Gollum, like imitating Gollum and saying, my precious, and like doing this act to like convince the orc that he he has the ring or whatever, which I thought was kind of an interesting little plot detail uh, that's not in the movie at all. A great line from Treebeard. Yeah. I, I almost feel that I dislike you both, but do not let us be hasty. Yeah, which that's not in the movie. And I was like, oh, what? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Gravy or Treebeard being being a fucking jerk is great. Um, <laughs> it's it's pretty good. Uh, yeah, because he says because um, his it's responding to Pippin, who says this shaggy old forest looked so different in the sunlight. I almost felt I liked this place. And Treebeard almost felt you liked the forest. That's good. That's uncommonly kind of you. I almost feel that I dislike you both, but do not let us be hasty. (laughs) It's a great line. Treebeard is also, and this is not mentioned in the movie, his mm-hmm. he goes by Treebeard, but he also goes by Fangorn, and then his real name is too long and convoluted yeah. to say. So neither of these are his real names. They're just what people call him, similar to Gandalf, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't realize in the that he is Fangorn. That the yeah. for, Fangorn Forest is named after him. Yeah. Like, it's his forest. He is Fangorn, and Fangorn Forest is his forest. Um, and the movie doesn't mention that at all, but I thought that was an interesting fact that, oh, he is Fangorn. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's kind of neat. Um, his uh, vocal patterns are also... That's probably should have gone in the movie, nailed it. The movie nailed it. This should be... in the wrong place. Yeah. Um, but the vocal patterns are yeah. on point. This, move this in your head to the movie nailed it. Um, but yeah, the hurum or what are you, the barum, barum, yeah. yeah, all the low. And when we were watching the movie, it was like very obvious to us. Oh yeah, we mentioned in the prequel episode that and that neither of us realized that Treebeard was voiced by John Rice Davies, who plays Gimli. Mm-hmm. We watched it this time. We're like, oh yeah, yeah that's, it, was, it was immediately like, how have I never <laughs> noticed that's that? Very clearly, John Rice Davies, <laughs> very clearly. I'm pretty glad uh, that Treebeard doesn't sing in the movie. Yeah. Um, but I do like that Pippin helps him write a new lyric about hobbits because he has a story. He has a song yeah. about all of the creatures of the world and his song does not have hobbits in it. And uh, so they have to add a line and yeah, Pippin Pippin's helps him. Pippin's like, uh, why don't we just uh, write a new one? We'll yeah. help you out here. Yeah. So they're discussing at one point, uh, Aragorn, Gimli and Legolas are discussing what they're going to do if they find. They're try- trying to track down Merry and Pippin in Fangorn Forest. And Gimli, at one, they, they're talking about how they don't have any supplies. They don't have any mm-hmm. food. And, and Gimli says, "It's a gr- I think it's a great line. He just goes, well, if we ever do find them, we'll show them what true great, f- or we'll show them our true friendship by sitting down and starving next to them or something <laughs> like that. Which I was like, that's, that sounds like a, that's like a real Gimli line from the movie. Yeah. Like it feels like a really Gimli line. Uh, and I was surprised it wasn't in the movie uh, because it's it's sort of his classic like gruff like making light of dark situations, mm-hmm. but like also kind of being like, well, this is stupid. Like, you know, like he's yeah. like, what are we doing? Uh, we'll just go <laughs> sit and starve with them, I guess. And Aragorn being the, you know, the, the, the true hero that he is. says, And if that's what we must do, that's what we'll do. It's like, okay, Aragorn, great, great. Calm down. Yeah. Uh, Gandalf, savage, savage motherfucker. Yeah. Um, 
There's the line, uh, is it Aragorn who says? Aragorn or, says, you still, one thing about you has not, riddles. this is after he comes back as Gandalf the White and they meet him. He says, uh, one thing about you hasn't changed, you still speak in riddles. Um, yeah, and then uh, Gandalf is like, no, I was talking out loud to myself. A habit of the old is that they choose the wisest person present to speak to. <laughs> yeah. Z snap. Alrighty then, Gandalf. <laughs> Calm down, bud. <laughs> yeah, basically. He's just like, yeah, no, man, I was talking to myself because I'm smarter than you. <laughs> All right. All right, cool. I thought this was interesting in the book and that doesn't really get touched on in the movie is there's a discussion uh, and this may actually be in that deleted scene. Now, I can't recall. There's a deleted scene in the in the movie that we watched where Gandalf and Aragorn sit and discuss what's happening mm-hmm. after they meet with him. Uh, and they're talking about everything. Uh, and in that scene in the book, uh, Gandalf says there Sauron for sure thinks that we're taking the ring to Isengard mm-hmm. or to to Gondor, because that's what he would do. Yeah. And he basically kind of it gives us a little moment of delving into the psyche of sauron and it's kind of similar to like the voldemort thing where his his arrogance and his Mm -hmm. pride and what his his lust for power is his downfall he expects them to use this ring to try to go to war with him and not he doesn't remotely suspect that they would take the ring and destroy it that is mentioned in the movie yeah and i think it's that scene yeah but we don't really delve as deeply into it as as, the book does They kind of don't go into the psyche of Sauron Mm -hmm. as much as they do in the book. But yeah, you're right. That scene, and that's a deleted scene, which is why I didn't remember that it was in the movie, is that one where Gandalf and Aragorn talk about Mm -hmm. everything. Um, But yeah, I thought that was really interesting. And and I also thought it was interesting that Saruman kind of has, they they talk about how Saruman has his own goals, that he wants the ring. Yeah. And that Sauron, if... If Saruman got the ring, which he sent his Urukai out to do, that basically then Sauron would have to go to war with, with Saruman, Saruman and his Urukai, and, and 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 Aragorn says, you know, if Minas Tirith wasn't in between Mordor and uh, Isengard, we could just let them fight and watch. And 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 I was like, yeah, that would be nice. But yeah, Gandalf qu- uh, squashes that pretty quickly. I'd be like, well, whoever won would be like way more powerful afterwards because they'd have the armies of both probably or something and then we'd truly be screwed so it wouldn't really work out but um yeah i thought that was i thought that was interesting that Um, that that saruman's kind of he's working with sauron but is kind of doing his own thing mm -hmm. which we get a little bit of in the book or in the movie but not as not as clear as it is in the movie yeah um treebeard is the oldest living thing in existence on middle Middle earth Earth, as far as they can tell which is not mentioned in the book mm-hmm. or the movie that I thought was again he's his his stuff is very reminiscent and we'll talk about this a little bit at some point of Tom Bombadil yeah and kind of that that the mythology of Middle Earth and this, this weird ancient being that has like existed forever yeah. that we know a little bit about but not a lot about and like is super powerful is kind of a very similar similar thing going on uh, there's a great line too about that he says we are made of the bones of the earth yeah which is just like a cool it's a cool line yeah it's a very cool line uh the ends go to war and they have a so in the book they just go to war (laughs) they decide to we'll talk about that (laughs) i have i'm not sure which way to go on this one but in the book they they vote at the imp moot to go to war in the movie they vote not to uh and then they get convinced to but in the book, they choose, and then they, as they're marching to war, they have a war song, mm-hmm. and then I don't recall, but it is pretty cool. 
And there's one moment in particular in it that I am amazed isn't uh, that is not sampled for <laughs> uh, in like songs and stuff. There's a the, what part of the Entish War Cry? It's like the first line of it is is <laughs> Treebeard, and if it was in the movie, it would definitely be sampled oh, yeah. because it's Treebeard says. Whom whom here we come with a boom. It's like sounds like a like lyrics straight out of like a hip hop song or something. I, I was just like, what? That's gotta have been sampled in something or or quoted, I guess, because there's no audio of it. But yeah, their war song's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So this is a thing that I uh, this movie actually does. These movies do pretty well, and so do the books. Is and I'm not an expert on medieval era-ish again this isn't medieval but it's adjacent it's vaguely inspired by medieval sort of um, history and warfare in this in the book there's a mention that when they get to Edoras and they're talking uh after they they exercise data and everything and they're gonna go to war they all gear up and get supplies to they go to the war room and they get weapons and stuff at, at Edoras to go to war and it's mentioned that Legolas and Aragorn both take shields, mm-hmm. which this is a thing that a lot of times in fantasy movies and TV shows and 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 fiction in general, the the people don't actually use the weapons that they would and and the equipment that they would use yeah. in the historical context. Yeah. Like, and this movie does an okay job at times. Like everybody would use a shield a lot of time. Not everybody, but most of the time you would be using a shield. Everybody has a spear. So swords weren't main weapons in medieval times. Swords were a side weapon that you wore them on your hip when you were in town, or if your other main weapon got destroyed, or or, right, or you, you used your it, sword. you had your sword as a backup. It wasn't the thing you ran into war with. Right. It was a thing you had on yeah. your hip. Think like if you've ever seen jousting. Yeah, like they have the lance, yeah. and then if the lance gets destroyed or gets knocked or, out, and of their they hands, get unseated or whatever, yeah, then they have their sword. Yeah, and that's like so. Typically, from my understanding and from, you know, I've watched YouTube videos about this. When when armies would go to war, it would be shields and spears, mm-hmm. always shields and spears. And now this movie actually does a fair amount of that, where when we see the Urukai army at the end, they all have spears and shields. A little less because they're sieging and maybe doesn't make quite as much sense, but it does. They all have spears and shields and Roham, uh, all the Roharim because they're horse riders or whatever. They all have shields and spears yeah, um, and also swords that they carry. Um, and they all wear helmets, which is really good because it's a lot of thing. The other thing that fantasy doesn't do is everybody would be wearing helmets, at least of <laughs> some sort. And now Gimli wears the helmet, but Aragorn and Legolas would both also be wearing helmets. Again, can't you do cover it. cover that flowing hair, man. I know. And that's why they don't do it. Um, but, uh, but I liked in the book that they at least mentioned a lot that the people all use spears and have shields because mm-hmm. that's actually at least somewhat how yeah. it would work as yeah. opposed to just everybody running around with a uh, a a, bra- a bastard sword like fighting. I mean, right, and if you think about it, a sword you're forced to get up close and personal yeah. with your enemy. Yeah, if you're fighting with a sword, and that would be a last resort. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's the thing you use after you get through the other stuff if you have to. <laughs> it's not the best. Uh, if certain situations, I know there might be some historical. Per- there are certain situations where well, you would use it. Blah blah blah. I get that, but I think from my understanding, usually swords or spears, shields. And helmets, and they they do half of that in this in these <laughs> books and movies. So we talked about it earlier, but Eowyn is left in charge at Edoras. I'm not sure that this makes sense with the in the movie. I like it in the book. It's like a little thing that like 
she gets put in charge of Edoras because they respect her and blah, 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 which mm-hmm. is cool. Uh, whereas in the movie, she just kind of, he's like, go mind the women and children in the cave. That's an important job. I mean, it is, I guess, but yeah. like, it feels a little like mm. shunning her off. And now she wants to go to war in the book and he's like, here, stay. I think she does. I can't remember. Yeah, she does. Um, but he's like, hey, stay in charge of this entire city, which feels less like. Yeah. Go mind the women and children. It's still kind of that, but it feels a little less like it because he's basically she's like left as like steward of the throne, basically. Um, and it's made a point that she's like the first woman ever to like, I think it, I could be I could maybe adding that in my head. But I thought there was mention that like this is the first time a woman's been left in charge of editors or something like that. Um, uh, and so I, I like that. in the again, it doesn't really make sense in the movie because they all leave editors. So she, right. they can't do that. Um, I also think that there's her love story with Aragorn makes more sense in the book because it's just like an unrequited glancing thing from a distance. Whereas in the movie, it happens very quickly. It seems like they've known each other for a few days. And then the, the the one that the moment that really, I like all their scenes together and their like interaction and, and how he's, she like falls in love with him when he like talks to a horse. Oh, that's great. (laughs) And I get it. But then at the final, at the end, when he's when she's talking to him and she's like, hey, he's like, hey, you got to go do this thing. And she's like, well, I want to be beside you or something. And and she she says a line in the movie about like, well, your friends stay beside you, not because you ask, but be, or he says, like, I couldn't ask you to fight beside me or something. And she goes, well, your friends stay beside you, not because you ask, but because they love you. Yeah. Implying that she loves him. And I'm like. You guys mm-hmm. have known each other for like a few days. We've had like two scenes together. You're a new kid. It just feels like it's a re- it's a real hard crush. I, I get it. Feels like love. I get it. I guess it just feels a little like we're. It feels like the movie wants us to have more oomph in their relationship than I feel we've gotten mm-hmm. at this point. Like I, I feel like the movie wants us to be like, yeah, man, she loves you. Let her fight for you. And I'm like, does she? She likes him. She thinks he's hot. Like, I don't know if she loves him. I, I don't feel like they've had enough together for her. I don't know. I get it. It, it in the tropes of like the fantasy for mm-hmm. love at first sight, you know, yeah. uh, I get it. And, and like, they're also on death's door and yeah, I, all of those things. Like I get it. It just feels a little rushed to me in the movie. Whereas the book just doesn't really have it. So it mm-hmm. can't feel rushed. Anyways. Um, so the whole sequence where Aragorn falls off the cliff and everybody thinks that he's dead. Um, that's not in the book. Uh, it feels a little bit unnecessary in the movie. Yeah. Like, we know he's alive. We know he's coming back. (laughs) At least eventually. The third movie is called Return of the King. So at some point he's coming back. We know he's not dead. Um, but I, I like your theory. So my, (laughs) my theory, and this is a better in the movie, I guess we could talk about it now because it's, it goes off of this. Um, a hundred percent the reason that he so I like the addition of the warg scene and we'll talk about that but uh he goes over the cliff and again we all know he's alive we know he's coming back it's yeah. the third one's return of the king he's the king we've talked about it. we <laughs> like we know he's coming back I guess you can argue that like oh is he gonna get there in time for Helm's Deep or what's gonna happen like I get it it just doesn't do a lot for me in terms of like adding any sort of interesting tension um but a hundred percent it's worth it a hundred percent. This whole scene is worth it uh, of him going over the cliff just for the single moment at the end of the movie in the beginning of the third act or whatever, when he arrives at Helm's deep, 
gets off his horse injured and then walks into the main hall and throws those two <laughs> doors open with his head down and is silhouetted by the sun. And it's like this badass, like the king has returned uh, the prequel <laughs> moment. Like the king has returned to Helm's Deep instead of to Minas Tirith. And it's it's a badass shot. And I yeah. totally am like, you know what? Fine. I'll give you all of that for that I don't think is necessary just so I can have this shot of Aragorn triumphantly returning through the doors like a badass. <laughs> you win, Peter Jackson. Legolas uh, wishes for elven archers. We talked about this, but none show up. Yeah. Um, and I, I do enjoy Haldir being there in the movie. Doesn't uh, We talked about all this. Doesn't really make a lot of sense timeline-wise. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they could get there. Maybe they could. I don't know. It just feels a little weird from how long everything happens but so uh, but i get it i i get it i just don't know if it makes a lot of sense for them to show up um so there are men who take up with saruman and fight for him alongside orcs at helm's deep um and they do this because they felt grieved by rohan yeah now here is a question that i had the the well, they call him the wild men yeah in the book were the wild men colonized by Rohan and denied their ancestral lands? Is that what happened? I don't think that's the implication. To it's possible because, but it does. I think the book mentions that whatever happened happened a long time ago mm-hmm. between the, like the main Rohan people and these these men of the hills or whatever they are. Yeah, um, that may be the case. They may have been like colonized and sort of rejected them i don't know in which in which case yeah you get it um and and now i will say so this actually i forgot this happens in the and i think it's only in the extended version but this does happen in the book or in the movie that we see saruman um rousing yeah the the these men these wild men the men from the hills or whatever but the the thing i like about in the book that it doesn't happen in the movie is that they actually show up and fight at helm's deep Right. Um, which I just think is interesting to have multiple different forces there. And now I think probably a big reason they don't do that in the movie is for CG purposes. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to do a, bo- a lot of the same similar looking orc. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like make yeah. a big 10,000 person army of the similar looking orc than it is to do a 10,000 person army of orcs with like a couple groups of like men yeah. that look a little bit. Di- so like that's probably part of it. But in the book... The group that brings the battering ram up the ramp to break down the doors is the men, is right. the, the the wild men of the hills or whatever. Um, and then I also think it's interesting at the end how they 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 kind of have a they come to and they capture them and they put them to work. And there's like a an implied potential future uh, rec- uh, reckoning between them or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I just think it's kind of an interesting uh, dynamic that the movie does, to be fair, include a little bit, um, but we all don't see them at Helm's Deep, I guess is the difference there. So in the books, Aomir is not gone. Aomir yeah. is there and fights at Helm's Deep. He is not, uh, he is locked away at the beginning of the books or at, at one, not the beginning. At one point in the books, he gets locked away for being insubordinate or whatever mm-hmm. and threatening uh, Grima or something but he doesn't get banished and he doesn't ride away with his men or whatever he's just like locked away in the dungeon of of yeah. Edoras and then comes back after Grima is kicked out and is with us the rest of the movie Um, so in the battle of Helm's Deep uh, uh, Aragorn and 
Aomir do the thing where they sneak out the door and then mm-hmm. go around, and that happens in the book. They go around and they like ambush the people on the ramp trying to knock down the door. But it's Aeo, it's Aragorn and Aomir. And then we find out at the end of that scene that Gimli snuck out with them. They didn't know he was there. Um, and at one point, after they, they kill a bunch of guys, and then Aomir almost gets killed, but Gimli jumps out and saves him. Mm-hmm. And there's this great discussion where they're like, oh, we, we didn't even know you were here, Gimli. And he says, well, I came with you guys. I snuck out. With, I saw you guys coming out here, and I, I, I wanted to come fight with you. But then when I got here, I saw how big the Urukai were, <laughs> and I decided to sit back in the shadows and watch your guys' sword play because this looked like a you thing. <laughs> That's what he says. It's such a great little moment. Um I was like, oh, okay. Uh, that's 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 kind of fun. And it feels, again, feels kind of like a Gimli thing to some extent. Yeah. Although he's also like super gung-ho in the movies and like is unfazed or un... You know, he's never scared of anything. But yeah. um, I still thought it was funny. Uh, I I prefer the movie version and we'll talk about why when we get to better in the movie. But I, I like that joke of him being like, <laughs> I, I, I thought you guys had it. You guys could handle it. Uh, all right. Um, Aragorn's got a great line yeah. that didn't make it into the movie. It kind of does, but uh, yeah, not really. Yeah. yeah, Dawn is ever the hope of men. Yeah, they're in the overnight when Helm's Deep is the big battle, um, and they're losing hope, and and they and he somebody said Aragorn says like Dawn is coming, and they're like, well, what 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 hope does Dawn bring? And Aragorn responds with Dawn is ever the hope of men, um, and we know that it is in this case. Yeah. They don't know in the book because that's different, and we'll talk about that. Um, they don't know that Gandalf's coming at dawn. In the movie, they do, potentially, or at least are hoping he is. Um, but in the book, they don't know that when or if Gandalf is actually mm-hmm. going to gonna return. But it's, I think it's a really good line. There's a line in the movie where uh, Aragorn says uh, something about hope. There's, I, I wanted to write it down. He has a line similar about, like, there is always hope. He says to yeah. like the kid or something at one point. Yeah. But it, I think Dawn is ever the hope of men is a like a, the gravitas of that line in that moment is, is great. This is a little moment that is super weird and super not in the movie. Aragorn has a parlay with the Urukai during the Battle of Helm's Deep. Yeah. It's so weird. And I was like, wait a second. What? He puts his hand out which is apparently the the signal in this universe that he like hit palm down out over the walls of the, the keep and it calls for a parlay and then him and the Orakai start arguing back and forth. It is the weirdest thing. I was like, wait a second, what is going on here? You can have a parlay in the middle of this battle? Um, and I just thought it was super, super weird. As he looked forth, he saw the eastern sky Sky grow pale. Then he raised his empty hand, palm outward, in token of parley. The orcs yelled and jeered. Come down, come down, they cried. If you wish to speak to us, come down. Bring out your king. We are the fighting Urukai. We will fetch him from his hole if he does not come. Bring out your skulking king. The king stays or comes at his own will, said Aragorn. Then what are you doing here, they answered. Why do you look out? Do you wish to see the greatness of our army? We are the fighting Urukai. I looked out to see the dawn, said Aragorn. What of the dawn, they jeered. We are the Urukai. We do not stop the fight for night or day, for fair weather or for storm. We come to kill by sun or moon. What of the dawn? None knows what the new day shall bring, said Aragorn. Get your gone ere it turn to your evil. Get you gone ere it turn to your evil. Get down or we will shoot you from the wall, they cried. This is no parlay. You have nothing to say. <laughs> uh, and, and then he basically threatens him again to leave. Like, leave or you guys, are, it's going to be bad. But it's just like, <laughs> I just would like that in the movie. It's just like, wait a second, guys. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. 
Um, Gimli spends some time in the caves at Helm's Deep while they're there. He retreats to the caves yeah. in the battle, which doesn't happen in the movie. Um, and he is enamored of them. Yeah. He says they're the world's most beautiful caves. Basically, he's like, you could charge money to dwarves to come and see them caves, and they would pay a pretty <laughs> penny to come look at them caves. And I was like, oh, all right. And we see a little bit of them in the movie, and they yeah. look they look nice, and they look interesting. I mean, but- they look like... Caves. They look like set caves, yeah. like you know. They look, yeah. But he's like, man, those those are some nice caves. <laughs> Got some some pretty caves these around these sweet parts. Ass caves. Um. Uh. So we're gonna bounce back to Treebeard for. A oh yeah, because we do go back and forth yeah. a little bit. Um. We in the book we actually see Wormtongue arrive at Isengard. Oh which yeah. I don't think we do in the the no. movie. Um, I think he's just already there this. when Treebeard shows up. I don't <laughs> well, it should be. I don't remember this at all. <laughs> but we see him show up, um, and Isengard has already been taken by the Ents. Oh, this may be where I stopped there. reading. I may have not Oh, did you not this. read this part? This may be in Flotsam and Jetsam or something. Anyway, we see him. He shows up. He's riding a horse. Um, and Treebeard is talking to him, and he just picks him right up. <laughs> off of his horse because he's like oh you can you can go see saruman um and grim and wormtongue is like well i, I can't swim so i can't get there <laughs> he's like all right like pick something <laughs> yeah i think i stopped right before that is what happened because i was like i don't remember that at all but yeah that that's right around the chapters where the movie ends so uh so then we cut back to now we're going back to the beginning again get ready here we go <laughs> Frodo and Sam. Uh, we don't have as many notes about them. Yeah. Uh, I don't think. So we cut back to the beginning with Sam and Frodo. Uh, and this is where the book four starts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're stuck in Emmon Will, just like they are in the movie. I do like this moment that they're trying to climb down a cliff in the book. And Frodo's like, well, I'm going to go. And Sam's like terrified. But he's like, nope, you're not. Because if you fall, you're not, you're more important. And he's like, I'm going first. And he starts climbing down and immediately almost falls. He's like, oh, never mind. And they're like, get back up here. But I just like that little moment uh, of Sam's sort of bravery, especially bravery for. Yeah. It, when he's worried about Frodo, his bravery is heightened tenfold or whatever. Yeah. And, and we get a lot of that in the movies, but I thought that was a nice little moment. Um, something else that didn't make it into the movies. Yeah. Um, the movie just starts out with them, with them climbing. climbing down a rope. Yeah. Um, but in the book, Sam actually forgets that he has rope because they make a couple goes of it without of trying rope. to climb down a cliff. Yeah. yeah. Um, Frodo almost dies because L- of this. Literally almost falls off the cliff like yeah. lightning strikes and they, and they think he, he Sam thinks he fell. And then yeah. but it turns out he just like fell a little bit. And then and then a minute like a minute later, Sam's like. Wait, I got a rope in yeah. my backpack. Oh, I love it because Sam goes, Sam, you old ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pulls out his rope. He's like, I had this rope from the elves. Yeah. Dang. <laughs> I don't know what this next note is. Okay. So later on, I don't, I can't remember now what he's talking about. Let me, let me look and see what, what this note for this the is. listener just says noodles exclamation point. <laughs> and I don't know what that means. It's on page 275. Yeah, in, in my edition, okay. All right, so this is, um, they just climbed down using the rope, and they have not realized yet that, like, Sam realizes that now the rope is stuck up there, yeah. and he hasn't tried to pull on it yet. Um, and I'll read this little section. But Sam did not answer. He was staring back up at the cliff. 
Ninny hammers, he said. Noodles. My beautiful rope. There oh, it is, yeah. tied to a stump and wear at the bottom. Yeah, that's his, those are his curses. Yeah. That's what Ninny it is. hammers and noodles. He says something like that in the movie, doesn't he? He says, because he's like, he says like shucks. I don't remember what yeah. he says, but there's He a, says something, but he does not say noodles. He does not say noodles, no. He might say ninny hammers, though. I can't remember. But that's what noodles is. That's one of Sam's... Uh, <laughs> wholesome curses that he throws out when he finds and figures out the rope is stuck um so this is a little moment that i that you can't really get in the movie because it's the it's the voice of the narrator you know it's Mm -hmm. it's the um what's the word i'm looking for description or whatever of what's going on but so we find out after they capture Gollum that the when he's tied up he's like the rope burns says the rope burns him particularly because it's elvish rope we think um, but the book mentions that w- Sam actually tied it looser than he needed to or should have yeah. because his heart was too kind. So despite all of the, the 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 vitriol that Sam flings at Gollum, when he goes to tie him up, he can't still can't bring himself yeah. to actually like be cruel, like unnecessarily cruel to Gollum and ends up actually tying the ropes, ropes a little bit looser, looser than he should, which is, again, a little... Little, little details about Sam's character that the mm-hmm. book kind of sprinkles through. And I think the movie does a good job overall of capturing it. Yeah. I want to talk about the discussion of their return journey a little bit. And I think this might be in Return of the King because I actually don't think it happened in this one now. Or did it and I just missed it. I think it did. Did it? Okay, yeah. I might have just missed it. I might have been taking a note. Um, but I do remember this in the in the movie. Basically, Sam's like talking about how much food they're going to have for the return journey. Mm-hmm. And Frodo just comes out and says, I don't know if there'll be a return journey, Sam, or something like yeah. something along those lines. And that conversation is in the book, but they don't just come right out and be like, I'm not sure if we will have a return journey. Yeah. They kind of dance around they it, kind of dance around and it feels more real. And mm-hmm. like, like they're not, neither of them are quite willing to admit that they both know that probably they won't have a return journey. And like in the movie plays it as Sam is still that way, but Frodo is like, yeah, accepted his fate. But in the book it's not. And then that's kind of overall Frodo isn't quite as the book. Frodo isn't quite as dour and Mm -hmm. as resigned to his fate as movie Frodo. And he's not been affected nearly as much by the ring, at least at this point in the books. Movie Frodo is pretty grim. Yeah. And he and the ring affects we see the ring affecting him a lot more in the mm-hmm. movies than it seems it does in the book and we and we get a little bit of it but it's not to the same extent that it is in the movie. Yeah. Which I don't dislike. I think that's a kind of an interesting way to go about it that they do in the movie where it really ramps up to the end of this movie where it's like he almost goes and gives himself to the Nazgul because mm-hmm. the ring has taken over him so much. That's not remotely how his character plays out in the book, which I have seen people talk about how they don't like that, how they prefer the resiliency of Frodo in the books. But I, I can kind of argue both ways on mm-hmm. that one. This is not in the movie at all. And I, I guess it's just for whatever reason, they just had to cut it out. But there's a after they get through the dead marshes, they get to this place right before the mountains that is like this sick, completely ruined, like ashen land. And it's, to me, when I read the description of it in the book, it, it almost felt like the surface of like the moon, but mm-hmm. not like the surface of the moon mixed with like tar and like oil. There's like they talk about looking down into pits and there's like this like oily, multicolored yeah. slime in the yeah. bottom. And it's like all gray and gross. And it's like 
I, I think we may see a little bit of that to some extent once we get to Return of the King, once they actually get into Mordor. Mm-hmm. But I just liked the idea of seeing this once you get right on the doorstep of Mordor, this completely like ruined, just uh, uh, cursed land that is like because yeah. the marshes are kind of like that, but not quite. There's still, you know, plants and and that sort of thing. Um, and this is just like a desert of of just filth and not, nothing yeah. like it. Yeah. And it, 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 I don't feel like the movie captured that. Yeah. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> Smeagol, um, in the book, he, he talks about using the ring, which he does mention yeah, he in the movie. He the mentions movie. that like, but he, doesn't have he the could line. take it. Yeah. Um, but in the book, he specifically uh, muses about becoming Lord Smeagol. Yeah. Smeagol the Great. Yeah. <laughs> which I, is, I just love. Um, perhaps we grow very strong, stronger than wraiths. Lord Smeagol, Gollum the Great, the Gollum, eat fish every day, three times a day, fresh from the sea. <laughs> Most precious Gollum must have it. We wants it, we wants it, we wants it. Yeah. But I just <laughs> love the idea of Lord Smeagol, Gollum the Great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's a little line in the book that is not in the movie where Frodo is talking to Gollum and he says, if I put on the ring and commanded you to do something, you would do it. Mm -hmm. basically reminding him of the power that this ring holds over him. And he says, even if I told you to leap from a precipice or cast yourself into the fire. And I was like, that's a little bit of foreshadowing. A little bit, well, maybe a little bit of foreshadowing that the movie does not give us of uh, (laughs) poor Gollum's fate. So I thought that was interesting. Um, So we, yeah, we talked about the cliff moment. We can just move on from that. There's a little moment that I really like in the book where after they catch the rabbits or Gollum catches the rabbits, he Sam's going to cook them and he asks Gollum to go get water to cook the rabbits to stew the rabbits in. And he has two pans that he gives to Gollum. And in the book, it's there's a description of Gollum returning from the stream, balancing the pans with the water in them. And I just (laughs) really need to see the shot of Gollum walking up like carefully looking at both pans he has one in each hand like whoa making sure they don't spill water. like i think it would just be like adorable but also like really funny him trying to make sure he doesn't spill the water in the pans as he kind of like hop because he always walks on four hands and now he's got to yeah. walk on two and yeah. like or two legs and yeah i just thought it would be great and i mentioned it earlier but a lot of the people actually carry spears uh, which yeah. the movie actually does yeah. do a better job than i remembered um, so we are at now Faramir, Faramir yeah. where Frodo and Sam bump into Faramir, um, which is pretty different than yeah. the book. Oh, so much, uh, which we're going to talk about at length now. Um, one difference uh, is that Frodo just like outright explains to Faramir who they are. Yeah. And like not every detail, but like no. tells them who they are and kind of what they're doing. I mean, it's kind of, kind of a refreshing scene of like two characters just being frank and like talking directly yeah. to each other. Yeah. He he meets them and he says, "But as for us, we are hobbits of the Shire, far to the north and west, beyond many rivers. Frodo, son of Drogo is my name, and with me is Samwise, son of Hamfast, a worthy hobbit in my service. We have come by long ways out of Rivendell or in Ladris as some call it." Here Faramir started and grew intent. Seven companions we had. One we lost at Moria. The others we left at Parth Galen above Raros. Two of my kin, a dwarf there also there, there was also, and an elf, and two men. They were Aragorn and Boromir, who said that he came out of Minas Tirith, at the city in the south. Boromir, all of the men exclaimed. And it's just like, just lays it out and is like, these are the people I was with. This is where I came from. This is my name. And he's like, and it's like, because so many times, and it ha- the movie does it a little bit, mm-hmm. but it's like that, like, you guys could be allies yeah. if you would just talk. Yeah. And now 
it's weird because in the book that would be the case. In the book, he does just come right out and say it, and it ends up working out because, as we're about to talk about, Faramir is a great person. Yes. Uh, unlike in the movie. Well, ultimately yeah. he is, but initially not so much. So this is a little backstory on Boromir that we get in the book that I thought was interesting where he's talking about Boromir, Faramir is, and he's, he mentions that Boromir was always upset that because Boromir thirsted for power so much that he... Mm-hmm. Boromir was a noble man, but he also had his flaws, and one of them was his thirst for for glory and power and power for Rohan and for his family and house and all that sort of thing. And he was, and Faramir mentions how he was always really upset that his father Denethor was the steward of Gondor, not the actual king, because mm-hmm. that meant that he could not be king himself one day. Um, and and he was also really upset because like how long he says like how long does do we have to be a steward of this stupid city before we get to be a king? When no king is coming back. Like the yeah. kings are gone. We haven't had a king in, you know, however long. And Faramir explains like, or somebody does like, it, or Den- I don't remember who it is. The In some lesser kingdoms, yeah, 20 years, maybe the stewards become the king or whatever. But in, in Minas Tirith, the, the kingdom of all kingdoms in Gondor, this is the true realm of men or whatever. You know, the king could not return for a thousand years and they uh, still, yeah. the stewards would not take the throne or whatever. Um Implying the sort of the gravity of mm-hmm. or at least the, their their perceived um, importance of of Gondor and that sort of thing. And we talked about Faramir not knowing that Isildur's bane is a ring. Um, oh, this. So this is where we let's talk about Faramir. Yeah, let's this is talk it. about Faramir. Faramir, the pure hearted. This is a really interesting change than and one that I really prefer the book version. Now, we'll talk about why I think I understand why they changed him in the movie. And why they do what they do with the movie. But in the book, Faramir is just the nicest, most noble. Yeah. He's like Aragorn on crack. Like, he's literally just the best person. A a bad (laughs) thought has never entered his mind. Yeah. He literally, all he thinks about is he, I mean, because so in the movie, they play him, uh, as you described, with sort of a second son syndrome Mm -hmm. of, of... because Denethor prefers Boromir and he'll never live up to being as awesome as Boromir is. And he's always resentful of it. And Boromir even treats him nice. Like Boromir's not a shit to him. He's like talks, you know, in the movie, but that is not the case. Faramir knows who he is in the book. He's fine with who he is. He's not there for glory. He's literally just interested in protecting the kingdom, protecting Gondor because he loves the city um, here's, here's a little bit of his, him talking to Frodo war must be while we defend our lives against the destroyer who would devour all. But I do not love the bright sword for its sharpness, nor the arrow for its swiftness, nor the warrior for his glory. I only love that which they defend the city of the men of Numenor. And I would have her loved for her memory, her ancientry, her beauty, and her present wisdom, not feared, save as men may fear the dignity of a man old and wise. Like so pure. He's so pure. He's so pure. He's like, look, man, I don't. I'm not a. He's like a hippie who's like forced <laughs> into combat and is like pretty good at it and like has to do. Like literally, that is. He's like, look, I don't want us remembered for for our wars and for our 
our, our fierceness. I want to be remembered because of how great and pure and, and, and smart and mm-hmm. the cultural implications of our city. That's what he cares about. That's what he's defending. And he defends it because he has to, because who, if he doesn't, no one will. That's yeah. like his lot, but he's, he's not worried about power. He's not, he does, he doesn't have an inferiority complex with Boromir like mm-hmm. he does in the books. Like he even says, he says it's unfortunate Boromir went to the council uh, because he knew he says it's unfortunate Boromir went because he was older and more rash. Like yeah. he goes, if I had gone, I wouldn't have tried to take the ring from you and Boromir wouldn't be dead. And, you you know, maybe the 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 fellowship wouldn't have split up like I get why Boromir went because he's older. He's braver. He's tougher. <laughs> like it's 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 amazing. I don't know. He's so different. Uh, and it's just. I I get why the movie does it. Mm-hmm. The movie does it because they want us to be unsure as an yeah. audience. They yeah. want us to look at him and go, well, is he going to be like Boromir? Is he going to try to Yeah, we're ring? creating tension. Yeah. It adds a lot of tension. And also, I will say that I don't know what you do with the Frodo and Sam story at the end of this book if there isn't if they don't go to Osgiliath and there isn't that tension mm-hmm. because you're not doing Shelob's lair at the end of this movie. Right. So you need some sort of rise in tension and, and a release for their storyline. Yeah. Whereas if they followed the book while Helm's Deep and all this is happening and we're cutting back to Frodo and Sam, it's literally them having a happy feast with Faramir yeah. and like <laughs> hanging out and then him being like, look, I don't like that you guys are following Gollum, but OK, if you want to let I'll let you go and I'll give you supplies and like. You, you go with the good grace of men. Like, he ends kind of similar, except for the abusing Gollum for no reason part in the movie. Like, he ends similarly in the movie where he's like, go with the good grace of men yeah. and, and go. But that's just him from the beginning in the book. He's yeah. just like, oh, I know. Yeah, that's your mission. All right, cool. I'll help you in the way I can. But, you know, I'm not going to take the ring from you. He says numerous times, like, they keep, like, worried that he's going to take the ring. And he, he, like, laughs about it and is like... <laughs> Guys, I'm not taking the ring. I don't want the ring. Just go do your thing. Like, it's fine. And again, you can't have that moment juxtaposed to the yeah. Helm's Deep. It just yeah. doesn't really work. You need kind of also tension. I get it. But it feels... He's, he's almost, in the books, he's almost Tom Bombadil-ish. Yeah. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, he's just yeah. so, like, pure and, yeah. like, doesn't even want... Yeah, that power. He doesn't at all. And I think that, you know, we talked about Aragorn because in the books, that's kind of Aragorn where he's he has no strife about returning to the throne. He mm-hmm. he's yes, I'm I've been raised for the throne. I'm going to go back and get the throne and I'm going to do it. That's Aragorn in the books. In the movie, he's torn. He doesn't know. He doesn't yeah. he doesn't want to accept the power. He doesn't think he can handle the throne, all that sort of things. And I find that more interesting, sort of the troubled mm-hmm. um unsure Aragorn is a more interesting protagonist in the movie but with Faramir I actually think I I prefer the the sort of the polar opposite uh, reflection of Boromir yeah and him yeah. is a more interesting character to me to just especially because I think if the movie had given us that tension at first a little bit and then completely undercut it with just Faramir like like the book does is what the book does is we get that tension at first when he runs into Faramir. They're not sure mm-hmm. he sits down and he interrogates Frodo and we're not sure which way it's going to go. But very quickly it becomes clear that no Faramir is just a great guy. He's yeah. just going to help them yeah. and let them go and do their thing. And he's just going to be cool about it and like give them food and stuff. 
Anyways, <laughs> that's enough about Barry. But I feel like that's a thing that people would want to hear our thoughts on because if you are a book lover and a book reader, that is a pretty stark change mm-hmm. to not a main character but a major character. Yes. Um, uh, it's the biggest, the, I think I would argue the biggest uh, uh, change in terms of character in all of them other than maybe Aragorn mm-hmm. with, again, how his kind of storyline is going um, or where his storyline is going. But I think it's the biggest departure from the books in terms of character. And so I think it it, it needed to be addressed for people who who like Book Faramir because I'm I'm a Book Faramir stan. I like Book Faramir. <laughs> uh and I, I don't and the thing the thing that bothers me even in the movie, even when he decides to let them go, is that he's when he's like grabbing Gollum by the neck and throwing him against the wall and it's like, How dare you where are you taking them? And yeah. he's not Book Faramir is not cruel for no reason. And yeah. again, you can argue that's not for no reason. He's worried that he's leading them to that Golem's leading Sam and Frodo to their death or whatever. And he does ask them about that in the book, but he doesn't grab them by the throat and slam them against the wall unless I'm misremembering. Yeah, he just interrogate does him. Yeah. And, and and so even in the movie, once he it, it is determined that he is a good guy and is going to let them go. He's still kind of an ass for that moment. Mm-hmm. Now, from what I remember, I think they did a little course correction and Return of the King fair, movie Faramir is much more like he's still got the second son thing and he goes yeah. and dies for no well, almost dies almost for no dies reason. For no reason but. but anyways. All right. Enough about Faramir. Let's move on. <laughs> I just had to talk about Faramir. <sighs> the window of the sunset. That's the waterfall in front of the cave. Yes. When they go to Faramir's hideout. In the book, the description of it is the, of the, as of this magical, beautiful sight. And we just kind of see it in the background in the movie mm-hmm. of the like the light in the book. It's like the light reflecting, refracting through the water as it's falling and the, the sunset and the light that it creates is this huge, beautiful, amazing thing. Uh, and again, it's just kind of in the background. And yeah. I wish there would have been a little more of them marveling at it. It doesn't matter, but whatever. I don't know what this means. You don't know what Faramir got a fetish for them Rohan folk means? I mean, I know what it means, but like, I I didn't remember where you pulled that from. I pulled this line from a very specific part because Faramir does have a fetish for them Rohan folk. I mean, he ends up in a good place then. Yes, he does. Of our Lauren manners, this is Faramir talking about the people of Rohan. Of our Lauren manners, they have learned what they would, and their lords speak our speech at need. Yet for the most part, they hold by the ways of their own fathers and to their own memories, and they speak among themselves their own north tongue. And we love them, tall men and fair women, valiant both alike, golden-haired, bright-eyed, and strong. They remind us of the youth of men as they were in the elder days. <laughs> Tall men and fair women, valiant both alike, golden-haired, bright-eyed, and strong. <laughs> I was like, all right, Faramir. <laughs> we hear you, bud. You like them? You like them Rohan folk? Got a good surprise for you, <laughs> at least in the movie. I don't know if it happens in the book, but, you know. We talked about... Oh, yeah, Sam. Know. Sam gets himself a, a little bit lit. <laughs> Spills the secrets about the ring. That's how Faramir finds out about uh, it. Yeah, but he, he just laughs about it. He just it. laughs. Yeah. Yeah. Just no. And that's the other thing I do like is that with all the tension in this and who they can trust and, mm-hmm. and all this, I do like that moment of levity with Faramir of just like, they just hang out and they're like, yeah, man. Yeah. I'm a good guy. <laughs> I'm just a good guy. 
Uh, but they do in the book talk about, and they talk about this in the movie, that Gollum's taking him to Kirithungal, and he's like, hey, man, there's some unnamed terrible thing there. Yeah. Don't go there. But they're like, well, where should we go? And he's like, I don't have a better idea, so I guess go to Kirithungal, but, like, be careful. <laughs> Which the movie does do that. I had this here before we watched it yeah. because I wasn't sure if that was in the movie or not. But it is, uh, mostly. It's a little more, it's a little longer in the book, but... Faramir gives them dope walking sticks. Yeah, he in the gives book. them fancy do walking sticks. Do they have those sticks. at the end of the movie? Well, he doesn't give them to them if they do. They do so. have walking sticks at one point. Yeah, but, but anyways, he gives them cool, like carved yeah. with like shod with metal yeah. walking sticks and for the mountains or that sort of thing. Some fancy shit. And then the final little thing. Do you remember this? There's a when they get to the yeah. crossroads. Yeah. Which maybe this happens in Return of the King because they didn't quite get to the crossroads yet. But and they get to the crossroads. They see a statue uh, of a king mm-hmm. that has crumbled. But on the ground, the head of the statue of the king has a crown on it because the flowers have grown around yeah. it and formed a circlet crown. A flower crown. Yeah. And I was like, this is a nice little tease set up for the return of the king. Yeah. There you go. Symbolism. <laughs> nice. Um, and again, that may be in the beginning of the next movie, but I don't think it is. That's it for Better in the Movie. Sorry, Better in the Book. book. Now we're moving on to Better in the Movie. My life has taught me one lesson, Hugo, and not the one I thought it would. Happy endings only happen in the movies. Jumping back again to the end of Fellowship (laughs) of the Ring. Aragorn is talking to somebody at the, I think think Legolas and Gimli at the edge of the river, maybe. Uh, in the book, and he says, "I would have gone. I would have guided Frodo to Mordor and gone with him to the end." He says that again to I think it's like Legolas and Gimli, maybe mm-hmm. Boromir, one of the somebody. Um, I, uh, but I prefer the movie's change of this. In the movie, and we talked about it. He actually goes and talks to Frodo before Frodo leaves. Yeah, and he says, "I would have gone with you to the end, into the very fire of Mount Doom, or something like that." Yeah, into the very fire of Mordor. <laughs> Uh, and that's that line, but they give it him giving it to Frodo, which I like, as opposed to just saying that he would do that to other people. He actually tells Frodo, and Frodo's like, I know. No run. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the movie uh, has an epic opening action hook yeah. um, with Gandalf fighting the Balrog. Yeah. Um, that cuts before we find out like, yeah. totally what happened. Yeah. Um, but it's clever. It's interesting. It's a good hook. Yeah. yeah. Um, the shot of them falling down into the cavern is so cool. The, the big wide shot where it pulls out to a huge wide shot of this cavern. And then there's it's dark. And then the fire of the Balrog comes in. Mm-hmm. It, I just want that post. Like, it's so freaking <laughs> cool. It's one of the coolest shots in the whole movie. Um, but it's super epic. Uh, and then it cuts and it was Frodo dreaming about this and we don't yeah. know how it ends because yeah. I was like, are they going to spoil that Gandalf came back at the beginning? I don't remember this at all. Uh, but no, they, yeah, they kind of no. tease it, but yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was cool. So the thing with songs, we've talked about songs <laughs> numerous times, but this is one for sure. Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli set out on their search for Merry and Pippin. What do they do? This is a, we're on a real crunch for time. Katie, we gotta we gotta go find them. The or the Uruk have a head start. We gotta run. Let's travel light. Don't bring any supplies because we're just gonna be sprinting for days. Uh, but first, I'm gonna sing a song. <laughs> Literally, Aragorn stops to sing a song. Yeah. 
Okay. <laughs> you don't have time for this, Aragorn. You don't have time. <laughs> you really don't have time for it. On a similar note, then, while they're chasing them, they waste so much time in the book discussing what they should do. Yeah. Like, they're always stopping and like, well, should we rest? Should yeah. we keep chasing them? Should we give it up? What should we do? And, yeah. like, nobody wants to make a decision, yeah. so they just, like, stand around hemming and And hawing. then Aragorn's like, let's keep running. And they're yeah. like, all right. <laughs> So the movie cuts all that shit. Yeah, and montages it. Yeah. They do mention, like, a couple times how long it's been, so we know it's been a couple days, but yeah, they just kind of, like, montage, run, 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 mm -hmm. look for him. Oh, cool. Um, oh, yeah, and they do see the old man at the fire that one time. That's right. Yeah. Uh, they, they see an old man in a white robe at one point, and they're not sure what it is. I think Gimli sees him mainly. Yeah. Um, and nothing happens with that, but they find out later that that was, in fact, Saruman. Yeah. It's so weird because... <laughs> but nothing happens with no. it. Never goes anywhere, never means anything. No. Just that Saruman was in the area. Yeah. Because they they don't... It's so weird because you would think it's like a tease for Gandalf. You would think that. And, but then they go and they talk to Gandalf, and Gandalf's like, no, I wasn't here yet. That must have been Saruman. And they're like, oh, okay. And then that, that's that. <laughs> it's like, what is that? <laughs> okay, great. Cool. Okay, cool. Um, a couple lines. Yeah. Um, a red sun rises. Blood has been spilled this night. That's the movie line, uh, which is iconic class well yeah. i to me like every line in all of these movies is iconic it's like i could quote half of them i'll just you know I, it's just i'm just in love with all the dialogue and lines in this movie <laughs> but i love that line and it's it's a similar line in the in the book but he says like a red dawn strange things await us yeah. is what legolas says which is like less cool yeah like less dramatic less cool. um also not in <laughs> yeah the book Legolas, what do your elf eyes see? They do spend a lot of time in the book asking Legolas to look for things. Yeah. That does come up, but that specific line. Right. <laughs> and he does not have the specific response yeah. yes. of they're taking the hobbits to Isengard. Yeah, which if that had not been, where I, would we be? I, the world would be a completely different place. Yeah. Uh, at least one less meme in the world <laughs> if he had not said they're taking the Hobbes to Isengard and that is just in the movie I like seeing Saruman ordering the burning of Fangorn I like all yeah, of the added yeah. stuff we get with Saruman and 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 like the sort of side plots and stuff mm -hmm. um, and seeing him go and talk to the orcs and be like yes burn Fangorn uh, blah 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 I, I think it's it's interesting and because in the movie we stay in the perspective of our protagonist the whole time we don't ever leave their world yeah. of frame of reference really um so I, I like in that the movie occasionally does that and gets us mm -hmm. a, a little more establishment of our villains and what they're doing and that yeah. sort of thing um and similar and we mentioned it earlier but um actually seeing the the wild north men raiding yeah. the countryside um on saruman's orders and then seeing the effect that that has. Yeah, you don't ever get the... I mean, they talk about in the book once that they're, like, burning things. And yeah. The, but, like, we don't get to... We don't get any, like, real up-close, like, mm -hmm. effects of, of what the orcs and the wild men pillaging the countryside is. Whereas in the movie, we get to see this family torn apart by the, you know, Saruman's forces mm -hmm. coming through and burning their village down. And these kids running and worried that their mother's dying. And, you know, like... All of that, it, it really helps drive home sort of the terror and the the evilness of what's yeah. happening yeah. here. 
they give one of Gandalf's lines to Wormtongue. Uh, no, they give one of Gandalf's lines about Wormtongue to Aomir, mm-hmm. uh, where uh, in the book Gandalf says, "How long have you been purchased by Saruman?" Uh, that sort of thing, and Aomir gets to say that to to Wormtongue. Um, and then can uh, talk about him creeping on Eowyn. Yeah. Uh, and again, I actually dislike this whole introduction of this plot line earlier. Mm-hmm. We don't see anything at Edoras or Rohan or Edoras specifically until our protagonists show up there. And so we get all of the story for that crammed into like yeah, one it's all scene. crunched in together. When they show up, they have all of these conversations at once. I think it was really smart to remove that, mm-hmm. establish who Wormtongue is, establish that he's a creep, establish that he's potentially bought by Saruman. Yeah, yeah so we establish all of these different characters who are at Edoras. We establish like their kind of background their story dynamic, and their yeah. dynamic and what's going on with them. And then all of our protagonists show up. Yeah. Um, which really kind of clarifies yeah. things. Yeah, it's a much better way to do it, I think. Yeah. I do like, though, in the book, or I also like in the movie that Grima banishes Aomir. Yeah. This does not happen in yeah. the movie. They do lock him up, or it does not happen in the book. They lock him up in the book, but they don't banish him. He banishes him, and I like in the movie that they he says by decree of the king, and he holds up mm-hmm. a written decree, but you can see the signature is like, scribbled and like trails off the page like clearly didn't know what he was signing and i think that very quickly establishes the dynamic between grima and theoden Mm -hmm. and that grima's pulling all the strings here and yeah very clearly sets up what's going on and that grima is um is kind of shadow puppeting this whole situation to Mm -hmm. his benefit and what he wants and i thought that was a really good way to show that uh, very quickly without spending a lot of time talking yeah, in this moment, there's a moment because uh, <laughs> uh, we've talked about it, but that a- a- Aragorn already has Anduril, the the sword that was broken in the book, whereas he doesn't get it until Return of the King in the right. movies. Um, and he literally pulls out uh, when he meets Aomir in them. He pulls out. Uh, <laughs> he pulls out his sword and goes full. Uh, he goes full Danny Breaker of Chains. He says, Aragorn through this is they're they're having a kind of a confrontation between they're not sure of each other. Aomir and them are not sure of each other yet. And Aragorn mm-hmm. threw back his cloak. The elven sheath glittered as he grasped it, and the bright blade of Andril shone like a sudden flame as he swept it out. Elendil, he cried, I am Aragorn, son of Arathorn, and am called Elisar, the Elfstone, Dunedin, the heir of the Sealdor, Elendil, son of Gondor. Here is the sword that you that was broken and is forged again. Will you aid me or thwart me? Choose swiftly. And I like it. That's Danny Breaker of Chains. Yeah. Like, these are all my names. This is why I'm here. Are you going to get out of my way? Or are you going to help? Like, <laughs> I just, I, again, we don't, that's, that's book Aragorn. Who's very cocksure and like, yeah, knows he's, you know, he's all for his fate and his, his um, destiny and that sort of thing. Uh, and book, Movie Aram, uh, Aragorn, not so much. Yeah. Also doesn't have the sword that was broken yet. So I just uh, I just thought that was really funny because it, it just very much reminded me of. Yeah. yeah. Daenerys House Targaryen, first of her name. So I'm like, yeah, breaker of chains, all that stuff. Um, I like that the movie does not have them recap every single thing that happened yeah. to Aomer because guess what? I know. Yeah. Because I read slash watched it. Yeah. You don't need to recap. We're good. More on that later. We're good. 
Uh, there's a line in the movie that's not in the book. There's a similar line. Uh, this line in the book is Aomir's talking to Aragorn and them, and they're like, "Hope we hope we can find our friends or something." And Aomir says, "Hope does not remain." Or something, mm-hmm. basically. In the movie, the line, and it's a, I, I quote it every time, is Aemir says, do not trust to hope. It has forsaken these lands. It's just, it's just really great. It's just <laughs> truly amazing. Um, speaking of another great line. <laughs> yeah, iconic line. <laughs> Looks like meat's back on the menu. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. That is not in the book. There is a, a scuffle between the orcs yes. and the urukai and all yeah. that stuff, and they do kill a few of them, but uh, that there's no talk of eating them, and that, that great line is not in the book. Uh, I do like a lot. So we get in the move in the book and the movie Aragorn sort of sleuthing out what happened to Merry and yes. Pippin when they get to the battle. Yeah, that took place. But in the movie, I really like that we intercut between Aragorn figuring something out mm-hmm. and then cut back to the night before with Merry and Pippin doing that thing. Yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of visual interest created by that, like back and forth. Yeah, the back and forth, and you're like, oh, and then they, their bonds were cut, and then we cut and see them cutting their bonds. Like it's mm-hmm. just really interesting. I think it's a fun way to do that um, without having us watch it all happen once and then have Aragorn talk about it once. Yeah. Just do it at the yeah. same time. Um, I also like that in the book or in the movie they change it to when Merry and Pippin get free, they just run into the woods because they're right next to it. The book mm-hmm. it's like convoluted and weird. They get free and then they crawl away. And then they sit there for a long time yeah. while the battle's happening. Yeah. And they like listen to the battle and then they crawl some more and then they eat some food for a while. Yeah. And I'm like, just go into the woods. <laughs> get out of what here. are you doing? It's And I guess the idea is that if they get up and run, they'll be seen or something. I don't know. Yeah. But it still just feels like the movie, them being right by the woods and then just sprinting into the woods makes perfect sense. And it's like, yep. OK, cool. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we mentioned this earlier, but uh, Treebeard straight up stomping yeah. that orc. Yeah. The mega nasty orc. Yeah. Mega nasty orc. <laughs> also on Treebeard, uh, the description is pretty close in the book. But one thing that I thought was I didn't understand in the in the book that the movie doesn't do anything with is that it's described that he has like human like hands or something like that. And I thought it was very, very strange. It belonged to a large, man-like, almost troll-like figure, at least 14 feet high, very sturdy, with a tall head and hardly any neck. Whether it was clad in stuff like green and gray bark, or whether that was its hide, was difficult to say. At any rate, the arms at a short distance from the truck trunk were not wrinkled, but covered with a brown, smooth skin. And that seems weird to me. Yeah. I think the movie just making them look like a tree. Yeah. But like with a face and limbs and stuff makes sense. I, I don't want to see like weird, smooth, skinned <laughs> arms on tree beard. So I don't know. I think that just make as like a, a a a design change that makes a lot of sense. I almost wonder if what Tolkien was picturing was almost like a person wearing a tree costume. I th- I can kind of see what he's going. Well, because yeah. the the lore, I don't know how much truth there is to this, but like the lore about um the whole like Fangorn and the Ents is that um Tolkien read Macbeth. 
Oh. Which Macbeth has the scene where they they the prophecy is that the the forests will move or like the trees will yeah, walk yeah. or something like that, but that it ends up being like guys disguised as trees. Oh. And the lore is that Tolkien was disappointed by that and oh. wanted it to actually be moving trees, so he wrote that into his story. That's very possible. So and if that's the knows? case, then I guess that makes sense. But I just thought it was weird, and I yeah, was like, I it's like a little the, odd. I like it just being like a a living tree, mm-hmm. but. I can see I they could do it and make it work, but I think it would be tough. But we to, can do the living tree thing with CG. Yeah. We don't have to have a tall person in yeah. a tree costume. Very true. <laughs> Very true. Um, we cut a lot of But we the actually time. do get a little of this that I forgot about, but yeah. we do, yeah. We, we cut a but we cut a lot of the time that's spent with Treebeard. Um there's a lot more in the book. Like they yeah. go to his house. Um, and they stay there for a couple days. This chapter was incredibly hard for me to read. In the I, book. I didn't mind it as much as you seemed to. I had a hard. I literally read this chapter for like three days. I would stop <laughs> and start it, and I would read a little bit and then get bored. And I, like I really had a tough time with the Treebeard chapter. Uh, it's called Treebeard, um, but uh, the movie cuts a lot of it. We get some of it, especially in the extended cut. They cut yeah. almost all of it yeah. in the regular cut, like the theatrical version. But in the extended cut, we actually go see his home and they hang out and they drink some of the stuff and they get mm-hmm. tall and they had a weird, this is, we- I, they fall asleep um, or they go. Well, there's a couple things when they're going to his home. I thought this had to be intentionally in meta at like a, a joke at the expense of the books while, while Treebeard's taking them to their, his house, he's uh, talking to them and they mm-hmm. both just start falling asleep. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> okay, this feels very, imper- very purposeful and very on like the joke <laughs> is on like, yep, this is how I feel reading this part of the book because Holy cow, that was absolutely like, it felt like they made that scene for me in that mm-hmm. moment. Um, but also they have an interesting scene once they get to his house. They drink a bunch of weird tree juice and it makes them taller. They drink <laughs> it's the ant wash. Yeah. Well, they drink it in the book, but it doesn't make them taller, does it? Yeah. Does mention- I guess I forgot that. Because Gimli that- says like, um, oh, I would swear you're taller and your hair is curlier. And then later um, on, I think. Maybe Gandalf or somebody is like, oh, you drank I stopped from reading the before wash, that. didn't you? I stopped reading before that part. Okay. You're right. That's what it is. Um, but anyway, so while they're there, they have... Uh, so we talked about how they cut out all the Tom Bombadil and the Old Forest and Fellowship yes. of the Ring. Yes. That happens in this book. Yeah. They, they take a scene from it. Or in this movie. They take a scene from Fellowship. Yeah, the old willow tree yeah. scene where it like kind of sucks them into the roots. Into the roots. It's totally in this it's movie. It's in this movie. And it's, it's in the extended cut. It's, yeah, not, it's not in not the in theatrical it. cut. Yeah. Um, and I think we also thought they gave some of Tom Bombadil's oh, lines absolutely. to Treebeard. Treebeard too. comes up and yells at the tree to let them go. Yeah. And it says, I'm like 99% sure I didn't go back and look, but... I would bet money that he says some of the same lines mm-hmm. that Tom Bombadil says. And I mean, they're not dissimilar characters. No, we talked about this. All. They're very similar so. type. We've talked about it earlier. Yeah, they're very similar style of characters. Yeah. Uh, and it, so it kind of works. Yeah. And again, it's a little thing for book readers, I guess. <laughs> so the the you are not orcs line mm-hmm. uh, is both in the book and the movie. I think I prefer the movie version where it's it's a it's a nice, really good punchline that's built up pretty well mm-hmm. where they have the whole big thing. And then he comes and he's like, we have a decision. You are not orcs. And they're like, what? <laughs> that had, that line's in the book, but it's it, the buildup isn't there and it doesn't have the same sort of punchline moment that it does in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's It's funny in the book still. But it just happens kind of right away. They're just like, mm-hmm. they start, they talk for a few minutes and they're like, we decided you aren't orcs. And they're like, okay, cool. And in the movie, <laughs> it's, it's it's just way funnier. 
well, that's good, or whatever Pippin says. <laughs> so I'm really torn on this. I want to mm-hmm. talk about it and see what you think. I think I prefer, I don't know if I prefer how it happens. I think I prefer in the movie that the Ents choose not to go to war, mm-hmm. but are then sort of coaxed into it by Pippin and Mary. By sort of tricking yeah. them into walking, uh, going to Isengard. Um, in the book, Treebeard knows about Saruman, knows he's destroying the force. He wants to go stop him. Mm-hmm. And they vote to and they go do it. Like, that's what happens. Um, they talk about it for a while, but they do go and they just vote. Yeah. They go to war. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, I think I prefer the way that the, the movie does it. And I think it makes sense because we we mentioned before Treebeard is old. Yeah. And I think that old kind of older, like being set in your ways yeah. and like not really wanting. I and I think you can read into this. And now I don't think this was this was definitely not the purpose of the book mm-hmm. with this with this sort of storyline. But I think it may have been to some extent what the movie was going for. Maybe a little bit. I don't know. I thought I had this written down somewhere, but I guess I don't. Uh, maybe I just wanted to talk about it. You can kind of read there this as a that the, the 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 way the movie plays out the end thing as a discussion on climate change. Yeah, as a as a not a discussion as a uh, a, a symbolism for climate change. We have uh, the industry destroying nature. Mm-hmm. All of the old powers that can do something about it. Sit yeah, and talk do, forever. Talk forever, but they don't actually want to do anything. And they don't want to do anything about it. And then the young people who are there insist and it's trick like, them. Wait, wait a second. <laughs> and the way they get them to talk them into it is by showing them the effect it directly has on them. Yeah. By walking them to their yeah. forest and being like, look, these... and Because Treebird's like, these were my friends. I knew these trees. Yeah. And I mean that it is unfortunate that it does tend to be a thing with the older. Yeah, I don't want to be ageist here. There's plenty of old people who don't. I'm not. I don't mean to be ageist in that sense. But like, it is. It does tend to be that uh, currently in the political climate, is at least in America, that the 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 older people who are in power and who have the ability to potentially do something about this will not do anything about it. And I think there's you can definitely read that symbolism into yeah. the scene. And I think having that play out that way is it, it's a good change for our times. Mm-hmm. And again, that probably wasn't obviously wasn't in 1960 or whatever. They may have just been I think they were just beginning to realize that there was an issue from what I remember is that right around 60s, 70s, they were realizing like eh, maybe something's going on with the climate that we need to worry about. Um, but that was like very early yeah. stages. Um, and wouldn't have been something that he was like commenting on, I would imagine. Uh, he was mainly just talking about industry or right, industrialism like as a whole, yeah. as opposed to like climate change. But in this regard, I think the symbolism of the of the way it plays out in the movie it makes a lot of sense and works really well as a metaphor for that. Yeah, that, no that conflict. Um, whereas in the book, just having them vote to go fix it is like cool, but that's not how this works. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> at least it's not how it's worked so far. So, yeah. Um, I, I do like the war song, though. Yeah. As I said, war song's great. War song is cool. Uh, I prefer the movie version of how they come across Gandalf or how our, our yes. people, how Aragorn, yeah. Legolas and Gimli come across him. In the book, he just like 
like they're up on a hill yeah. and he like slowly climbs up to them and they talk for a while yeah. before he reveals who he is. And I I don't know. I like I pictured it while I was reading the book of them like like circling around yeah. each other and like never quite seeing him. I, I imagined Gandalf like with his hat pulled down <laughs> over his face, like, and like looking down at the ground so that they can't see his, like, why can't, like, what's, I guess maybe it's dark. I don't know. But it, yeah, they have a whole conversation before For they, the drama. Yeah. They have a whole ass conversation before they realize it's Gandalf and he reveals yeah. himself. But then the moment where he does reveal himself is very similar to the mm-hmm. movie where they try to like, they pull their swords and their weapons and they're like, it's, Saruman oh no and yeah. they, and they go to and then but like Aragorn's sword turns into fire and all that stuff happens very similarly and they drop their weapons and then they realize it's Gandalf the movie just cut that beginning part with a like weird slow conversation yeah. and then like the <laughs> teasing and just kind of hits the reveal right away um, although there is a little bit of the conversation yeah because or they have the moment where he's talking and they don't know who it is and his, his face and the movie does a cool thing where they 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 blur the elements of, of they have like Christopher Lee's eyes superimposed mm-hmm. in a little bit. So even us as viewers aren't really sure. Yeah. What we're yeah. seeing, even though it was in the trailer. Then again. And if you've anybody who read the book, obviously we know it's Gandalf. <laughs> but like in the moment in the movie, they kind of keep it vague and they, they mix the Christopher Lee and um, Gandalf's the actors. Uh, Ian McKellen's voice. They mix their uh-huh. two voices together back and forth. So we're not really sure yeah. what's going yeah, on. It's interesting. It's a, it's a it works. I, I don't know what this next uh, means. <laughs> in the book, Aragorn's a dick about his sword. Somebody is going to pick up his sword and he's, uh, oh, when he puts it in, when he gets to Edoras mm-hmm. and he puts, sets it down uh, outside when he leaves it because he can't yeah. take it into the hall. He tells all the guys around, if anybody touches that sword, they'll die because they're not the true heir of Elendil or whatever. And they'll be cursed and die because I'm cool and don't touch my sword drama yeah, like basically and I, I again he doesn't have Anduril yet but once he does he doesn't he's not a dick yeah. about it in the later yeah. movies um i just i i thought that was so again book aragorn versus movie aragorn um speaking of kind of book versus movie yeah um i want to talk for a second about how much more i enjoy legolas and his character in, the movie. in yeah. the movie um there are several times throughout my book notes where i just have legolas you ass followed by a quote from legolas yeah. where he said something dickish yeah um and he does have some like zinger lines yeah in the movie um but, but they all I, like they, yeah they come off as like teasing and playful and good-natured but in the book at least to me he kind of comes off as like a pompous dick yeah so i think the movie does a good job of taking that and making it less obnoxious yeah but still you can tell the movie and part of it's orlando bloom i think he just does a great job at playing that role but you can tell he's he's teasing but he's also means it like you can tell he's a he's full of himself but he's good enough at playing it as a joke that you don't get offended by it if you're the blunt you know what i mean (laughs) like he's good enough at delivering an insult to you that you're like i think he believes that but no, he's, he's, he's joking. Like he's, uh, but he actually deep down, Legolas actually is a dick. But he's like good at being a dick, and everybody likes him for it. I think is what's going on there, and I think the movie does a really good job of that. Uh, whereas it's harder to get in the movie, and I think because or in the book because you don't have the performance with it, right? Um, and also his lines are just different. So yeah. 
So Gandalf's line when they try to take his staff in yeah. the movie, uh, you wouldn't deny an old man his walking stick. Um, there's a, a book line that's similar to it, but it's not as good. Yeah. Um, he says, would you part an old man his support? It's it's more old-timey speak. Yeah. The, yeah. the old man, would you deny an old man his walking yeah. stick is more plain. Yeah. But it, yeah, it works. And Ian McKellen delivers, it crushes the delivery. <laughs> I like a little, a little addition in that scene when they get into the hall. And then... Uh, Gandalf starts exercising Theoden. <laughs> um, I like it's a little the, that uh, there's like a bunch of guards, which makes sense. I feel like Grima yeah. would have his co his coalition of people that on the take that are working for him, basically, right. who go to try to stop this and are Legolas, Gimli and Aragorn to start bare fist knocking out everybody. In the, <laughs> and it's a it's a fun scene because Gandalf's walking forward and just in the background, they're just running around beating the shit out of everybody. Yeah, it's it's I really enjoy it. And I forgot about that moment. And it's not in the book at all. It just kind of happens in the book. Like he just does his little thing and nobody tries to stop him, really. Um, but I, I thought that was fun. Um, Theodred's funeral, also not in the book. Yeah. Yeah. Because he dies in the book and it's right. mentioned, obviously. Yeah. Um, but it's a it's a nice solemn scene um, with the singing. Yeah, uh, where Eowyn sings a song. And it's it just, yeah, it's a beautiful scene. And you get to see the flowers on the graves, which are mentioned in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that's also an extended cut, the funeral part. We get to see part of that in the theatrical cut, like his body going in and then Theoden talking about it. But the whole mm-hmm. singing and everything was not... Not in the the theatrical cut, but I think it's a nice scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it was not not mentioned in the book at all. The funeral, really. They don't give uh, Theoden his big rousing speech when he comes when he is ex exercised excised. Mm-hmm. Um, he saves. They save all his epic speeches for later in the movies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in uh, at Helm's Deep and at the uh, especially at the, the big one at um uh, the Battle of. Minas Tirith in mm-hmm. the uh, Pelennor Fields or whatever. Um, that big battle. They give him epic speeches in. I mean, Theoden really gets, like, the best speeches. Aragorn's got a pretty good one in Return of the King, but Theoden really, whew, ride for <laughs> ruin in the glory, or in the, or in, oh, shoot. I can't believe I don't remember it, but um, ride for ruin in something or another. Um, but he has a speech in the book in this part, and it's it's like, okay, mm-hmm. cool, I get it. And he yells fourth Aerolingus, which is what he yells. That's like the Rohan call or whatever. But <laughs> I just like saving the the Theoden epic moments for mm-hmm. yeah more of them a, for a later. later. Yeah, um, we talked about yeah. Prima. They just let him run away. He just runs away, whatever. Makes a little more sense than what happens in the book. A little bit. Yeah. Uh, so in the movie, they just go to Helm's Deep because, and I think this makes more sense than the book. Mm-hmm. In the movie, they just go to Helm's Deep, and now they say it's not a good idea. Gandalf and Aragorn say going to Helm's Deep is a bad idea. They're just going to die there. But I don't yeah. know what their other options are in the movie, like As... what they want them to do. I mean, he says go call for help, yeah. but he's like too proud to, and he's like Gondor won't come. Nobody will come. Who ca- Like who will help us or whatever. Um but I thought it was interesting. So in the book, they we talked about this. They're going to war. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gandalf shows up and says, Isengard, you need to go to Isengard and stop Saruman. And he's like, okay, let's do it. And he gathers all the people, him and Eomir and everybody ride out, and they're going to Isengard to fight. And then when they get there, they realize, or as on their way there, they realize they need to retreat because they're not, they're going to get overrun. They're not going to be able to stop. Yeah. Uh, something happens. They, I, they're, the army's bigger than that. I can't remember exactly what happens, but they have to retreat and they go, they run back to Helm's Deep. Uh, and there's some people already there who've been kind of hanging out there and some mm-hmm. of the villagers and stuff like that. Um, 
I think it's just a little bit clunky in the book. Again, I can't even remember exactly why they retreat. Uh, And it's my own failing. Sure. But like it, it, the movie to me just makes sense. We can't hold Edoras because it's not as it's a completely. I mean, it's a good, relatively safe fort, you know, Mm -hmm. a small army, whatever. But it's not as good as this. As Helm's, Helm's Deep is the uh, complete, you know, the best defensive right. keep in hewn the world. Out of a it's, mountain. it's yeah, it's literally hewn inside of a mountain, and there's only one way in, and it's a big, strong wall of like you know, ten foot thick rock or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's it's the best fort in the world. It makes sense to go there and just because oh, the armies are coming, we'll yeah. get killed here. Let's go to this fort where we'll be safe. Yeah, to me that just makes sense. Uh, I get it, and it doesn't. It's not confusing to yeah. me. Whereas the book's a little like. Okay, going to war, cool. Now you're running away because you can't win the war because people got. Oh, it's because they're go. That's what it is. They're going, and then they're going to meet up with their like forward army. They mm-hmm. have people that were already like fighting, mm-hmm. and then on their way there, that group is like retreating to them, and they're like, uh, "A bunch of us are dead. We're, there's no army. You're not going to oh, reinforce yeah. anybody. We we already got overrun. Yeah, basically, and then they retreat to Helm's Deep." But, again, I just like the movie's version of it. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, movie, Gandalf gives them a date and time yeah. for his return. <laughs> yeah, he does. Uh, sunrise on the fifth day. Look to the east. <laughs> yeah. So we got um, some specific stakes yeah. there. In the book, he goes, I'll be back. He's like, I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. I- I'll be back. And they're like, okay. <laughs> Great. Hopefully soon. <laughs> Uh, but in the movie, it is absolutely he will in the book. He turns to them when they see that when the, when the people are retreating, he turns to them and is like, go to Helm's Deep. You'll be safe. They're just go to Helm's Deep. I, I got to go. And they're like, if you say so. And then he just rides away. And yeah. they're like, whoa. And then yeah, I like him being like in the fifth day. Look, these also for us, for viewers, we're like, OK, they just got to survive long enough. Gandalf's going to come <laughs> save the day. We don't know what Gandalf's doing. I mean, we can guess kind of what he's doing. Because yeah. he says to Theoden, like, call Aomir back. And he's like, well, we don't even know where he is, blah, 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 whatever. Um, so we can assume that's probably what's going on. But you don't know for sure. You don't know what's going to happen. So right. yeah, I, I just like that. We talked about the warg attack. Mm-hmm. There's a mention in the book. This isn't completely invented. There's a mention in the book that some of Urkenbrands, who's a character who's not in the movie, <laughs> uh, we'll talk about it a little more probably here. Because he had too weird of a name. Yeah, we'll talk about him in just a second here coming up. And when we get to Helm's Deep. But uh, he... Uh, he he um some of his people his like villages were being attacked by wargs or one of them was mm-hmm. attacked by a, a war, wolf rider army mm-hmm. and so they kind of just took that and made it happen to our characters which it's it's a fun scene i don't love the going over the cliff but i like the scene <laughs> we talked about the elvish archers we can skip that we've talked about that a lot i think oh but unless you had a point there never mind yeah i was just gonna say like i i agree with earlier points on that um but i i do like that the movie utilizes the elves more overall yeah Yeah. because the book kind of just with the exception of like legolas kind of just forgets about elves entirely yeah especially in this one they're like yeah they're not even in it other than legolas I love this a little shot in the movie that uh, when they're talking, Theoden's walking through Helm's Deep talking about the defenses Mm -hmm. and we get a camera pulling a shot pulling across the courtyard behind the wall, behind the deeping wall at Helm's Deep. And uh, as they're talking about how impenetrable it is, the camera slowly pushes past them as they walk out of frame to the grate in the wall. And then it it, uh, Grima's voice fades in over it and he says, there's the strongest fortress in the world, but there is one weakness and it's pushing in on this thing. And he said, there's a gate 
or yeah. there's a there's a sewer basically that runs through the anyways i just think it's a cool shot and it's very foreboding like it just feels like you're because you're like wow they got this bright badass fort and you're like oh no what's what are they gonna do with that hole in the wall <laughs> this is it just really makes you be like oh i'm worried i don't know what they're gonna do but i'm not i'm not feeling good about it <laughs> something bad's gonna happen we talked about it. The throwing yeah, of the yeah. doors. Throwing it's the, the doors best. Open. Aragorn throwing the doors open as he gets back. Totally worth it. Um, we get a couple scenes that show like the gravity of the situation. Yeah, which you don't really get in the book. Much. Yeah. Um, so we have the scene of like uh, the old men and then the all the young boys leaving their families to fight in this doomed war. Yeah. Um, and then Aragorn's scene with the, the young scared kid. Yeah, and um, he shows him, he gets his sword, and he's like, it's a good sword. Uh, yeah, so we kind of show him transitioning into leadership, um, and then we have the movie like playing up the stakes and showing us how unlikely it is that this is going to work out in yeah, their favor. Because we get a couple really good moments that help, I think uh, uh, talking about Aragorn's sort of character arc over the course of these movies, or right before this, a scene we didn't talk about, he's talking to Theoden, and he, he's, he's, he's like Theoden's going around being like, yes, this is great. Yes. Do this, do that. Talking to his men, like bolstering all their spirits and Aragorn's like, guys are fucking do-. He says yeah. something like this is, we don't have enough men or whatever. And Theoden turns around and was like, dude, what do you have me do? I, yeah, I know we don't have enough. I'm the fucking leader. I got to make them think we can win. Like and Aragorn kind of takes that moment. And then I think you can see that kind of transitioning, uh, with his discussion with Legolas, where Legolas is like, we're all doomed, and Aragorn's like, well, fine, I'll die with them. And then the scene with the kid, yeah. where he's he has this moment with the kid where he gets to be Theoden, what Theoden was doing with his men of you know raising their spirits and making them hope. He turns around to this kid uh, who's scared out of his mind, thinking he's going to die, and probably did. We don't. I think he survives. I don't remember. I don't know if we see him again. Um, but you know, and and I like that little the, the character beat turn for that with Aragorn mm-hmm. of, of sort of transitioning and moving into his role uh and and growing as a leader i think is a again it, the yeah. themes of yeah. of the movie <laughs> this line's not in the book when the war finally comes they're all on the wall uh and uh gimli is looking out or trying to but he cannot because he's too short to look over the wall <laughs> and he's like what's happening what's happening and legolas turns to him and says Shall I describe it to you? Or would you like me to find you a box? Which, a great dickish yeah. Legolas line. Yeah, and it's not in the book. <laughs> uh, but I, I do love that yeah. line. Um, so we mentioned that when they use the secret door to ambush the battering ram, it is Aragorn and Aomer. Yeah. Um, but most importantly, <laughs> yes. the book does not have the, you'll have to toss you'll me. You'll have to toss me. <laughs> I cannot jump the distance. You'll have to toss me. <laughs> Aragorn looks at him yeah. in that moment. Yeah, he's like, "What? I cannot <laughs> jump the distance. You have to toss me." And then, don't tell the elf. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Uh, no tossing. They just kind of climb over there yeah. in the book. But yeah, in the movie or in the book, they, there is an explosion that blows a hole in the wall. But it's not nearly as dramatic. The whole sequence yeah. is not nearly as yeah. dramatic as it is in the movie. I love in the movie uh the the guy with the torch the suicide guy running into the wall and leaping yeah and the, legolas bring him down he, he says it in elvish i don't the know what he says or whatever. Guy. 
Yeah. Because all the other ones get taken out with like one arrow. Yeah, but, but this, this guy's an, got like seven sticking. From in my him. memory of playing the video games, he is an Urukai Berserker. Is his class <laughs> in the video games? Is how because they have several of these guys and they're hard. When you fight them, they're harder. They're yeah. to kill than the other guys. Um, but yeah, he gets several arrows in his neck, uh, but that doesn't kill him. He leaps into the wall and it explodes uh, and blows out a huge chunk of the wall. And it's mm-hmm. this big epic moment in the book. They hear an explosion and they look and they're like, what the hell was that? You don't like we don't know how it happened or why, you know, yeah. we don't, it just happens because, again, we're we're always kind of from the perspective of our protagonists mm-hmm. uh, and there isn't a guy that leaps into it or anything. Um, and, the, and from my reading in the book, the hole that they blast is much smaller. They basically make the hole in the wall that that at the bottom big enough for like people to come through yeah. without like crawling. Whereas in the movie, they blast like a 20 foot chasm in the wall, which obviously right. it's just cooler. It's a bigger moment yeah. than what sort of is described yeah. in the book. Higher stakes. Yeah. I, 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 I just think the movie's more fun in that regard. Mm-hmm. Kind of in general, but yeah. Um, I prefer that it's Aomer and his people that show up with Gandalf as yeah. opposed to Urkenbrand. So yeah, we, we don't really know. <laughs> yeah, or Urkenbrand. Urkenbrand in the book, Urkenbrand is the one who comes down the hill with yes. Legol- or uh, Gandalf uh, as the sun rises. But again, Urkenbrand is this guy in the books who we don't even know much about him in the book. He's just he's like one of the wardens who's out. I, I I assume he just is like kind of like Aomir or something, but he like governs his own people out in the far reaches mm-hmm. of somewhere in Rohan. Uh, and he's like, you know, one of their generals or whatever or, or leaders. But we don't know who he is or why he's cool or whatever. So just make it Aomir. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. banish Aomir. Gandalf goes and finds him, brings him back with all of his men. Perfect. It makes perfect sense. Uh, and it's a character we know and care about as mm-hmm. opposed to some guy we don't know. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I, I much I much prefer that in the movie. I do like in the movie, which is not mentioned in the book, is when they come in the book, they come over the there's like a dike at mm-hmm. the end of the valley. It mm-hmm. sounds like uh, that Gandalf and his guys. And I think that's kind of what they're going for in the movie. But it feels like it's in a different place geographically in the movie than it is in the described in the book. But it's close enough. But in the movie, as they come down the hill, right as they get to the bottom the sun crests over the hill yeah, and it blinds all the, all the Urukai and orcs and they all like lift up their spears, which they have all their spears there to like kill them as they mm-hmm. come down. And that moment where the sun gets them, I think it's a really clever moment. It's not in the book at all. It makes perfect sense from like thematically with the, the sun yes. and the light and, yeah. uh, and Gandalf coming and, and the clever, it, it, it sort of speaks to Gandalf's cleverness and him showing up at this moment and planning it this way. It also, again, like we said, symbolically with the light against the mm-hmm. dark. And then also it's just like, oh, that's really clever. Like, cause that actually seems like that would work. Like yeah. if they're, yeah. as the sun crests over, if they've been, it's been dark this whole time. And then they're hit in the face of the sun. It would disorient them to the fact where it would greatly increase your chances mm-hmm. of successfully blasting through their line or whatever. I think it's a really brilliant <laughs> little little thing. Uh, we actually get to see the Ent attack yeah. on Isengard, which we don't really get to in the book. Not at all. Yeah. We, they go to war and then we come back and they've won. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, but in the book or in the movie, we get to watch yeah, them get destroy watch Isengard. <laughs> 
Just ends to wreck in hell. Yeah, which is fun. <laughs> and the little moment that's really great that we always, I always laughed about, and you, you were laughing about it, is yeah, when the, the one that's on fire. <laughs> just they release the the, the dam wash, and yeah. the the end that is on fire just like bends over and puts the fire out. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. That whole scene is great. So we're now into book four, which is the second half. We're going back in. I think right. We're going back into. Yes. Yeah. We're going back into Frodo and Sam now for better in the movie. Uh, and this, we talked about this earlier and was that in the book, but it, I think it was incredibly smart and incredibly obvious uh, to interweave books three and four. Like I said, it's, it's like, of, of course they were going to do that. You wouldn't yeah. make a movie where you did one whole storyline that's happening at the same time as another storyline and do them back to back. You would, I get it. It makes perfect sense, but uh, obviously, if you get the high and the epicness of Helm's Deep, mm-hmm. and then you come back down and you watch Frodo and Sam wander around the dead yeah. marshes for an hour, it's like, Ooh. okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit less of a problem in the books, because if you read them as separate books, like mm-hmm. he kind of intended or as like separate episodes, mm-hmm. whereas... If book three is book three and we get that whole story and the climax is Helm's Deep, great. And then book four is its own thing. And then that all builds up to Shelob's Lair and that happens. Cool. Yeah. But together, the way they're sold Mm -hmm. with the two towers, the biggest, most interesting climax is halfway through the book. Yeah. Shelob's Lair is not Helm's Deep. Mm -hmm. It's cool. It's interesting. It's scary. But it's it's not not Helm's Helm's Deep. Deep. (laughs) And so, like... I, I just think it makes way more sense to interweave it the way they did and then to move Shelob into uh movie or into Return of the King. Uh-huh. Because if we had Helm's Deep going on, Isengard going on, and Frodo running from Shelob, running around in Shelob's lair all at the same time, it's a little too much. We yeah. get Osgiliath is still some tension and drama going on with Frodo, but it's not nearly the same level of like life and death big action like yeah. sequence that or at least it doesn't feel like it is that that she loves layer is yeah. because it's this big impending thing that they've been building up the whole book of like her and what and golem's gonna take her there i think it makes a lot of sense um mm-hmm. to move all that i think the, it's just really smart changes by the the movie to to do all of that yeah no it makes a wild amount of sense <laughs> yeah um so we're at we're at Sam and Frodo now. Yeah. Um, so let's start out with the swamps. They get into the dead marshes. Yes. Yeah, the, the ghostly lights and the faces under the water. It's all good. Yeah. This is in the book. Yeah. So like feasibly, we could put this in the movie. Yeah. Nailed it. Um, but I do think it's like scarier and more intense in the movie. Yeah. And the thing to me is, there's a moment in the book where Sam mentions that he turns around and Frodo walks up to him and his hands are wet and he's yeah. like covered in slime. And then Fro and then Sam sees like the dead faces in the water, mm-hmm. but we don't know why what happened to Frodo. And I think they took that and sort of it's implied that he fell in the water or like yeah. fell over or something. I think the movie took that and amped it up by having Frodo kind of the ring call him and he pulls and he falls into the water. And then we get that scene with the ghosts coming up out of the yeah. water. It's just cool. Uh, and it just kind of expands upon what we get in the book of because the book, it's just they see those faces under the water. It's creepy. Mm-hmm. And then the movie takes it up a little bit. So uh, there's a little moment where Frodo's laying on the ground in the dead marshes and he's like stroking the ring and touching it. And the movie's 
just overall go harder. And we talked about this a little bit about how yeah. the ring affects Frodo. Yeah. And we get more of him becoming Gollum like, mm-hmm. which I think helps thematically with him and Gollum's relationship because he can see himself so much in Gollum. And mm-hmm. we get a lot of that throughout this movie of how he needs to believe that Gollum can be saved and why he's so attached to Gollum and wants to help him and wants and, and trusts him to some mm-hmm. extent is because he sees himself in that and he's the ring bearer and Gollum was the ring bearer. And if Gollum can't be saved, that means I can't be saved. Like, yeah. so, and, and the movie works out a lot harder. And I think it just, it, I think it works really well. I think the movie does acknowledge a lot more than the book does that when Frodo looks at Gollum, he's seeing his future potentially. Yeah. And that would be a tough thing to reckon with. Yeah, exactly. And I I think the movie just does a better job hammering that home. Mm -hmm. Um, I like a a little change. I think um, it's a, yeah. For Frodo reminds Gollum that his name was Smeagol once. Um, and that kind of kicks off the change that we see in Smeagol slash Gollum. Because yeah. in the book, he just kind of, once they release him, once they untie him, yeah. he just kind of starts calling himself Smeagol. Yeah. And kind of like becomes happy-go-lucky. But I like I like Frodo being the one who instigates that change in him a little more, mm-hmm. like directly, and being like Smeagol. And he's <clears throat> like, oh, yeah. And like, again, Frodo trying to save this person because it is his future, potentially. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the Black Gate in the book is seems way smaller and less cool. <laughs> the movie uh, in the in the book, it's like a black big black wall with a little, with a normal sized gate in it. It seems mm-hmm. in the movie, it is a giant yeah, gate that is massive opened thing. by trolls that yeah. like yeah it's it's huge and epic and, and crazy like um, overkill to the yeah, max it's just turned up to 11 uh from what oh, we get in the also book. for like for a place that no one is trying to get in yeah like nobody is <laughs> I, but it, it just feels better and more epic especially because we know there's going to be a battle there yeah in a, a book from now it just it, making it this big epic place just just makes a lot more sense to me uh, you know, across the mouth. Ma- this is the book description across the mouth of the pass from cliff to cliff. The dark Lord had built a rampart of stone in it. There was a single gate of iron and upon its battlements, a battlement sentinels paced unceasingly beneath the hills on either side. The rock was bored out into a hundred caves and maggot holes. There a host of orcs lurked ready at, at a signal to issue forth like black ants going to war. None could pass the teeth of Mordor and not feel their bite unless they were summoned by Sauron or knew the secret passwords that would open the Moranon, which is the Black Gate's name, uh, the Black Gate of his land. So again, in it there was a single gate of iron. Yeah, there's no description normal. of like how big it is yeah. or you know, it's just there's a gate. It's like okay, the movie's cool. like nah, man, there's a fucking gate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the movie wisely cuts a not so brief history of. All the plant life oh as Frodo and Sam yes. are on their way to, uh, is it Kirith or Cirith? It's Kirithungul. Kirithungul. Is how Faramir says yeah, it. Yeah, but we get like pages and pages and pages of like all of the plants that yeah. grow there. And I'm like, can we just? Like, I, I get it. And again, I said I enjoyed some of that in the first book. It. And I did, and I still don't hate it, but it got a little tedious at times. Well, I think it wears on you more as the story goes on because it's kind of like, okay, why are we still world building to this extent? To this extent. 
Because there are moments where, like I said, when we were getting the description of the wasted, sick land yeah. after the dead marshes, I'm in it for that. That yeah. I want to hear. And it's not super long. It's it's a paragraph or two. The plants and stuff, it's like pages and pages of all the yeah. things they see in the land. And it's like... I, well, in the description uh, of like the sickly land, that creates like an ambiance. Um, yes. A mood. Yeah. But all of like this plant life and all the different herbs that grow there, it's yeah. like, why are you telling us this? Yeah. I, Just say that there are plants growing. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I agree. And I, I agree. I, it's just too much in the book. Yeah. I, I like it, but it goes too hard <laughs> Like, is my problem <laughs> with it. Yeah. Uh, we talked about it, but boil and mash them, stick them in a stew. That's just in the movie, baby. Um, we make Boromir fun. In the flashback. Yeah, we, I just like a little bit see, more yeah. Boromir. Uh, he shows up in a flashback. Yeah, Faramir uh, has some remembrances. Of, of when him. they when they took Osgiliath back from the orcs. But mm-hmm. uh, but again, this is the I like the scene because Boromir's there. Don't like the Faramir's character because he becomes he's very much the the jealous yeah. younger brother. Yeah, and it just it is that second son syndrome. Yeah, it's just it's just so antithetical to Faramir's yeah. character. In the book that, and again, we talked about it, but uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, his dad is a huge dick. So yeah. like, fair enough. Yeah. But, but I, I've heard that that's also not so much true in the book. That Denethor isn't as much of Denethor not. as he is in the movie. I remember very little about Return of the King, but we'll, we'll find yeah. out. I liked getting to see uh, Osgiliath, though, in the flashback and mm-hmm. when they get to Osgiliath. I don't love the going to Osgiliath thing because mm-hmm. of the reasons we talked about Faramir and all that stuff but I do like getting to see it and see sort of the constant state of war that it's yeah. in and it looks like bombed and this is what their inspiration was but sort of like bombed out like World War II city of like mm-hmm. you know on the border between <laughs> Nazi Germany and uh, and England or what you know it's like it's the France it's the bombed out yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. border towns or whatever um, but it's fun it, it's interesting to go there and, and see that that turmoil up close and the, the war that is taking place there. Mm-hmm. And it's also nice set up for the next movie when Faramir is going to have to do some battles there and that sort yeah. of thing. So. Um, I don't love the whole thing with Frodo going up to I the Nazgul. It's just, and... it just it, it's all manufactured for the book yeah, or for the movie. And it, I like elements of Frodo's succumbing to the ring, but this mm-hmm. one in particular feels a little over the top yeah. to me yeah. of him walking up and like going to put the ring on in front of the Nazgul and the Nazgul just staring at him. Yeah. Like, does the Nazgul not realize that he's holding the ring? Like, I guess well, the not. Nazgul can't see. They can. I thought they couldn't. And that was why they sniff sniffed everything. They, they, they can see this. I mean, they 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 chase people and stuff. They can see to some extent. I think. I don't think they can see well. I could have swore that they could see some, but it's like a weird shadowy seeing. Maybe I, I thought, don't know. You might be right. You very well might be right. You. I. 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 I, I don't know. Anyway, so that whole scene with the Nazgul flying in front of him and him like yeah. thinking about it, it's okay, but then Sam has to come save him, and it just seems a little too. Frodo's a little too far gone in this movie mm-hmm. already. It seems like maybe he shouldn't be quite so uh, taken over by the ring. But but I do love Sam's yes. speech. So I don't love all that, but because of that, we get some great lines from Sam. Sam has his moment in the sun. <laughs> and I do, I do love it. Uh, I mean, because he... 
he gives a great inspiring mm-hmm. hobbit speech. It's not a Theoden inspiring speech. It's very different. But, you know, Sam, especially, uh, Sean Astin doing his, like, pleading, pure mm-hmm. delivery is just so heart-wrenching and, like, uplifting about a new day will come. And when the sun shines, it will shine out the clear Frodo. You know, like, just all of that is. And, and, the, and the last line, there's some good in this world, Frodo, and it's worth fighting for. Yeah, it's I. It's so good. Like it's just so good, <laughs> um, and I love the speech. Uh, yeah, ah. So and that's not in the book at all. None of that. That whole. Yeah. Sp- none of that's there. Yeah, none so. of that happens. So yeah, I, I like elements of it, just not all of it. Okay, movie nailed it. Let's go. As I expected, practically perfect in every way. Um, Aragorn and everybody gets to fight. This is back again at the beginning. Back at the beginning. Back again at the beginning. Um, and uh, sorry, the end of Return of the or Fellowship of the Ring. And we see we get to see Boromir's bravery and slaying all of the orcs. And that is the movie. What the movie nailed in this regard is that he does kill like dozens of them yes. in the book and in the movie. Yeah. As he has arrows in him, all of that stuff plays out exactly the same in both. Um, and he does to to save the Marion Pippin. That's all mm-hmm. from the book, which is really cool. Um, then moving into Two Towers and the chase after the uh, Marion Pippin, uh, Mary does or Pippin does pull off his little brooch and mm-hmm. throw it on the ground so that uh, leave it as a trail so that he a clue a clue so that they can find <laughs> him uh, like Danny leaving her ring in the. <laughs> when yeah. she gets taken by the Dothraki. Um, we see you, George R.R. R. Martin. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but he says, uh, and the line is in the movie, too, that this is from the book where Aragorn finds it and says, not idly do the leaves of Lorien fall. <laughs> Which, you know, yeah. sort of dramatic. That's a dramatic book Aragorn line. Yes. That still fits with Aragorn's movie character, but Aragorn in the book's a very dramatic fellow. Yeah. Very Shakespearean at times. Um, and the movie, I think, does do a good job of capturing, like it montages it. It, montages it, it captures it. how endless the chase after the Urukai is. And Gimli really helps with that, with yeah. his constant like, oh, oh, <laughs> us, us dwarves are wasted over long, over long runs. <laughs> Natural sprinters. Natural sprinters, deadly over <laughs> short distances. But yeah, you can you can t- like the the big helicopter shots of them mm-hmm. running, and and they mention that it's been days, and it, yeah, I, I I think it captures it. Yeah, we talked about it earlier, but they everybody does constantly ask Legolas to use his elf eyes, and the movie does include that mm-hmm. specifically by saying elf eyes. But one of the lines in the books is "keen of the eyes of elves," and they turn that into Legolas. What do your elf eyes see? So. <laughs> uh, Rohan horses have braided manes. They don't do that in the movie. I Wait, put this don't? in here because I wanted to know if they did, and I don't think they did. I don't know. I was looking and I couldn't tell. In the book, the horses are specifically mentioned that their manes are braided. Yeah. And in this movie, I think they just have like normal unbraided. I put this in the movie nailed it because I was hoping it was right. (laughs) And I couldn't remember. And that's why I wrote, do they have this at at the end? But I couldn't remember. And I looked and I don't think they do. If I miss, if I missed it and they do, then cool. But I don't think they do, which is disappointing. Yeah. Because I, I, it's, I don't know. Fancy horses. Yeah. Fancy horses. The meeting between Aemir and uh, our three from the Fellowship is 
identical to the movie yeah. or to the book. Yeah. Uh, everything where Aragorn walks out. What news from the north? Riders of Rohan. All of that. Um, and this whole scene, Carl Urban cast as Aomir is, um, and Carl Urban's amazing anyways. But he crushes it as Aomir in this movie. I think it's one of the most underrated performances of these mm-hmm. entire movies, in my opinion. Um, I don't mean I, I say underrated. When you think of like all of the great, like Gandalf and and Sam and and Aragorn and all these great performances, mm-hmm. Aomir is probably not in most people's top five. But like he crushes it in these movies. I think he just does such a great job capturing Aomir's essence <laughs> and like his 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 dark and like. Uh, business-like demeanor, but also mm-hmm. he's very fair, but like it's tough. Like everything about Aemir, I think they just crush in the, in these movies. Like and the line, "Give me your name," or Gimli, <laughs> like "Give me your name, Horse Master, and I will give you mine." <laughs> All of those lines, and yeah, uh, the we talked about it, and was that in the book? But I would cut off your head if it stood but a little higher from the ground. Yeah. And then Gimli riding the horse with, with Legolas. Legolas. Yes, bros for life. <laughs> bros for life. <laughs> Uh, Groshnak does get killed by a spear, but he doesn't mm-hmm. get killed. He gets up. I assume that's Groshnak, the guy who chases them and then gets stomped, the uber yeah. gross, mega gross orc. <laughs> I assume that is Groshnak, because that's his name in the book. And in the book, he gets killed by a spear. In the movie, he gets hit by a spear, but then lives, I guess. Yeah. But it's close, whatever. A great tree beard line. Yeah. It takes a very long time to say, and we don't say anything not worth taking a very long time to say. Yeah. That line Which directly out of the book. true. Very true of the Yents. <laughs> and then going on from that, he has another one. I am not on anybody's side because nobody is on my side. Which is also right out of the book. Um, and we get the backstory for the Ents This as is a well. deleted scene. Yeah. If you didn't watch the extended version, you don't get this in the movie. But it is in there. Yeah, we find out um, the old elves way back when yeah. elves woke the trees up and taught them to speak. And that's where the Ents... Yeah. Not where the Ents came from, but uh, the trees learning to speak. Yeah. Because that couldn't be where the Ents come from, because supposedly treebeard's the oldest living thing maybe he okay no i guess it could be he could be that he could have existed as a tree yeah before anything else yeah and then eventually elves came along and taught him to speak and yeah. then he was still the same tree maybe i don't maybe. know i don't know, I don't know. <laughs> whatever <laughs> not gonna get into it too much um there you the treebeard does carry around the hobbits mm-hmm. just like he does in the book sit up in his sit up on his shoulders. branches and at times he does carry them too yeah uh, they yeah. do both which is what happens in the movie and the book um aragorn and legolas sleuthing out what happened yeah to our, our hobbit friends the only slight difference is in the book legolas tries first and is like okay at it but not great and then he's like aragorn get in here you're the pro at this <laughs> <laughs> and aragorn comes in and is like pretty good job but let me, he's like, all right, Watson, you did okay. And then <laughs> Sherlock comes in and really, really nails it. This isn't, this first line isn't in the book or isn't in the movie, but uh, it's great. But the second part of it is when they go and they meet Gandalf and he's, they're talking to him and they try to attack him. And, he, and at one point he says, you have no weapon that could hurt me now. It was like a bad off, badass Gandalf line. We talk mm-hmm. about this where he has several lines like that. Um, like this foe is beyond any of you, like that sort of thing. Just Gandalf knowing he's a badass, um, <laughs> but he does have the line, which is an epic line. It's in the trailer. We meet again at the turn of the tide. Yeah, it's right out of the book. Um, then the battle with the Balrog we mm-hmm. discussed. 
pretty pretty shot for shot. Yeah, yeah. They fall into the water. They battle down in the water. They make their way all the way up the staircase to the very top of the mountain, and they mm-hmm. battle on top of the mountain, and he smote him on the mountainside. Smoted. Smoted. Smited. Whatever. Smoten. Edoras is pretty much spot on from mm-hmm. how it reads in the book, being on this mountain to- or not, or this hilltop with a wall around it and the Hall of Marabs or something mm-hmm. like that, whatever the hall is that's on top. Uh, it When you see Edoras, it's one of the most striking set pieces in the movies. Yeah. Uh, and it and it uh, it is what you imagine when you read the book, at least to me, because it's set right in front of the mountains at the foot of the mountains, mm-hmm. which is where it is. It's, it's perfect. Old ass Theoden. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. From what we get in the book of this old, he's like bent... Uh-huh. And, and old and gray and his beard hangs down to his lap and all of those things uh, is how he's described in the book and it's how he looks in the movie. And I, I think the whole confrontation between him and Gandalf and Grima Wormtongue and all of that, mm-hmm. uh, the line, your courtesy of your hall is somewhat lessened of late, Theoden, right out of the book, a great line. I even think Grandolf, Gandalf revealing himself with mm-hmm. pulling, you know, he throws his gray robes off. That's all in the book. And, and Grima being like, I told you to take his staff. <laughs> all of that. It's uh, that, A lot of that scene plays out pretty similarly. Yeah. It's um, more dramatic. Yeah, exorcism is a little more dramatic. Um, but I do like how the movie gives us that scene of like Saruman being like pushed back out yeah. of him. Too. Yeah, when he slams him the final time against the chair yeah. and then it cuts the Saruman flying back is cool and really drives home what was going on yeah. there. Uh, and that's not really, it's a little more subtle in the book, which works in its own way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the movie, it's like, bam, he's like, you know, magicking the shit out of him. <laughs> um, and then he has him pick up his sword because perhaps your fingers would remember their old strength better if they grasped the sword hilt. Just uh, little line. I just yeah, like all yeah. the dialogue, and I just love when they're right out of the book. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Eowyn's thirst for Aragorn. She's so thirsty for a little Aragorn. more, because um, it is in the book. Oh yeah, um, but we get the extra scenes with them in the movie, which is nice. Um, and that that horse scene, yeah, like. <laughs> I mean, Eowyn is the OG horse girl. Truly. So, like, come on, Aragorn. Why are you teasing her? Yeah, right? She's sitting there watching as he, like, fucking calmly talks an elfish to a horse. Okay, man. Cool. Great. (laughs) Leave some for the rest of us, dude. Jesus. (laughs) Uh, I think everything about Helm's Deep... The way it's yeah. described, everything, the wall in the movie in the or the description in the in the book is it's a 20 foot tall wall. I think it's slightly taller in the movie, probably like 40 feet tall. Mm-hmm. But it, the way the wall curves around at the front of the thing and then you have the keep on one side with the the wall, the higher wall over there and the ramp up to the gate. Mm-hmm. All of that is exactly how it's described in the book. It's like it jumps off the page. Um I, and I, I, they even mentioned that the walls at the top of the wall are are, are pretty tall, which is where I think they got the description. They yeah. say it's tall enough for a man to look over. Yeah. Or, or, or that there are parapets that are tall, that are just short enough for a man to look over, which when you then extrapolate from that to Gimli yeah, standing on the wall, he would not be able to see <laughs> over it, which is where they got that joke from. But. Um, the line, most of them have seen too many winters or too few. When they're assessing their yeah. army that they have. Get there. that right out of the book. 
uh, as the battle starts, the lightning and the rain start and yes. they do fight in the storm. That is a great moment in the movie. It's better. It, this could go in better in the movie because in the movie you get it. it the, it's just so perfect in the movie. In, yeah. in the rain, in the book, it's like and then the skies opened up, lightning struck and rain mm-hmm. started to fall. But in the movie, you get that shot of Theoden standing there and the best moment you hear the. <laughs> as it starts to fall on their armor and you're like one more thing i know and his face is just like all right this is about right <laughs> yeah it's it is that, that could tracks. go that could go in better in the movie it's it's exactly what happens it's just the movie elevates that yeah. with, with the way yeah. it's shot and everything um and then we get the battering ram under the coming shields. up under the shields up the ramp the yeah shield ceiling yeah uh, this is a huge one to me that I was not expecting to be in the book, and it absolutely is, and the movie nails it, is that Gimli and Legolas have a competition where they count <laughs> how many orcs in Urukai they have yes. slain. If you would ask me, pick, you know, top five things that are movie additions, that would be one. I mean, mm-hmm. the Legolas sliding down the shield would be, like, <laughs> number one with a bullet. But, like, number two would probably be... Them counting yeah. and and like going back and forth and joking about how many uh, Urukai they've killed, um, but no, that is absolutely from the book. And the numbers they use are like identical yeah. throughout. Yeah. Like Gimli's like that's two, and Legolas is like I'm on seventeen or whatever. <laughs> you know, it, it's exactly how it plays out in the book. Uh, the ladders up the wall. Yeah, they climb the wall yeah. with the ladders. And then after they start getting into the, after the they blow up the wall and everything, mm-hmm. they start. Uh, coming into the courtyard and Aragorn retreats the same way in the movie and he holds that staircase that they use to get up to the keep that's described exactly yeah. the same Aragorn stands at the foot of the stairs as people are retreating and like holds back the Urukai for a while um, and then they finally all get back inside and they get all the way into the keep the only difference here is that in the book Theoden is like let's ride out yeah in the movie Aragorn says ride out with me yeah I get it because Aragorn's our protagonist. Mm-hmm. It feels cooler for him to reckon. Feels cooler. <laughs> works with his kind of character arc yeah. in this in this of Being the leader and, yeah. and, and that sort of thing. But um, it does, it's just a slight change. But they do decide to ride out uh, basically because they, one of the things that's not in the movie is that after they break through the wall, a lot of their forces get pushed back into the caves. Right. And that's where Gimli ends up. Yeah. Um, and so they're, they want to ride out to help draw the army out and to, to pull them away from, which is kind of what they say in the movie about mm-hmm. how get the people to retreat into the caves and then we'll ride out so that give them time basically to yeah. run away. Yeah. Um, but in the book, they're already like being attacked at the caves, and so they're going right. to ride out. But anyways, it's pretty similar. And one of the lines that's very similar is they, uh, Theoden says, we shall make such an end as will be worth a song. It's different in the movie, <laughs> but he, we shall give them such an end or something like that. And then uh, they blow the horn of uh, Helm, Helm's horn, whatever, Helm Hammerhand's horn. <laughs> in the book, it's not Gimli. Yeah. Or at least we don't know who it is. It could be. No, he's in the cave, so it can't be Gimli. But they blow the horn. But they blow the horn, and then they ride out, yeah. which is exactly how it plays out in the books. And they just go crazy, ride through everybody. Gandalf shows up, slightly different. We talked about it. Kills, boom, they're victorious. And then the army retreats, mm-hmm. and they run. And this is only the extended cut of the movie, but the Urukai run away into the forest that has magically appeared. There was not a forest there the night before. Uh, but now there is a forest sitting at the edge of the, of Helm's Deep. 
Um, it has moved there overnight. It is Fangorn Forest, and it's there for revenge. And the Urukai <laughs> run into it and disappear, and never to be seen from again. Crunch, 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 crunch. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I always thought that was interesting. The orc or the forest shows up and murders yeah. all the orcs. Yeah. Uh, Gimli beats Legolas by yeah. one. Legolas says forty-two, and Gimli's like, "Well, or no?" Gimli says forty-three, and Legolas says, uh, "I had forty-two. And uh, it's implied that he may be in the book. It's implied that he may be lying because he was super worried that Gim- yeah. Gimli died when Gimli gets overrun in the courtyard and then ends up in the caves. He's like, oh, shit. He's like really worried that Gimli died. Mm-hmm. And he's like his best friend. Um, so I, I, to me, it feels a little bit like it's implied that Legolas may be lying because he's so happy to see Gimli alive that he's like, I'll let him have this one. Bros for life. Yeah. But then in the movie, he he is a dick and shoots yeah. a dead one already <laughs> and says, <laughs> now we're tired or whatever, which is a fun little moment. But um, and then we come back to, for the final time. Back with Frodo, Frodo and Sam. And, Sam. Um, and there's an opening shot. It's not the opening credits. I think in the theatrical cut it is. Mm-hmm. But in the, in the extended cut, it's not. Or the opening um, where it says the two towers. Um... Where they're looking ahead into Mordor, and that description is like straight out of the book to where mm-hmm. it felt like they just painted the page onto the screen, and it was like it really struck with me of how similar it was um, to what I remembered the shot of them looking into Mordor looked like. The hobbits stood now on the brink of a tall cliff, bare and bleak, its feet wrapped in mist, and behind them rose the broken highlands crowned with drifting cloud. A chill wind blew from the east. Night was gathering over the shapeless lands before them. The sickly green of them was fading to a sullen brown. Far away to the right, the Anduin that had gleamed fitfully in sunbreaks during the day was now hidden in the shadow, but their eyes did did not look beyond the river. Back to Gondor, to their friends, to the lands of men. South and east they stared to where, at the edge of the oncoming night, a dark line hung, like distant mountains of motionless smoke. Every now and again, a tiny red gleam far away flickered upwards on the rim of earth and sky. Again, just that that red, fiery yeah. distance glow uh, mm. of Mordor. Um, the line. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's the one place we don't want to see any closer, and it's the one place we're trying to get to. <laughs> yeah, Sam's line. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's absolutely out of the book. We talked about the magic untying rope, but mm-hmm. they, they're able to yank it, and it just comes untied, yeah. and they're like, oh. Cool. Right out of the book, except for Sam's wholesome swears. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, Gollum <laughs> crawling down the cliff looks exactly how it's described in the book. And yeah. the book is described of him looking like a spider crawling down yeah. the cliff face. Like and crawling down like a sheer cliff yeah, face. Yeah, like face first like a spider. And, the, and then the way he falls and then Frodo pulls Sting on him and says, this is Sting. You've seen this blade mm-hmm. before. All that's right out of the book. Um, do the way Gollum moves in general. Yeah. Like the way he walks on all fours. Yeah, and hops around and moves and yeah, yeah. everything about Gollum. Skulks. Everything about Gollum is pretty much perfect, <laughs> including the split personality, uh-huh. which the movie does play up yes. a little bit. Yeah. But it's in the book. It's not it's not as like I thought maybe the 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 movie like almost completely added no, like the, the back yeah, the and forth. The movie doesn't invent that out a whole cloth, no. but they they do amp it up a little bit. Yeah. Once by ac- uh, this is Gollum. Once by accident, it was, wasn't it? Precious, yes, by accident. But we won't go back. No, no. Then suddenly, his voice and language changed, and he sobbed in his throat and spoke, but not to them. Leave me alone, Gollum. You hurt me. Oh, oh, my poor hands, Gollum. I we. I don't want to come back. I can't find it. I'm tired. I we can't find it, Gollum. Gollum. And they even talk about in the book that the, the light in his eyes changes as he yeah. between like a green and a pale blue light or something. Yeah. 
And so there, that idea of like the split personality isn't it. I had thought and heard, heard it made it sound like that's not at all in the book. And it feels very much like it is. They just overtune it mm-hmm. a little for the movie. The, the, uh, the, the fish song that's in the book when he catches the fish yeah. to catch a fish. So juicy and sweet. All of that, uh, that whole, there's a whole song of it. It's not Which super is, long, like, but it's cute. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's cute. He's not banging it on the rock in the book, which is a fun little addition yeah. where he's like banging it musically while he's singing. But, uh, the, the song is from the book and the mention, the fact that the closer they get, to Mordor, the mm-hmm. more the ring is weighing on Frodo. That's described in the book. Again, the movie plays that up even more. Yeah, but it is it is a it is an element of the book yeah. that they're definitely pulling on. Um, and Gollum debating himself. Yeah, which we've touched on. Um, and this gets moved to the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, well, about he, where he's gonna take. Yeah, them, about yeah. where he's gonna take them, and like this hint of like, oh, she could help us. Yeah, she could do it. Yeah, because um, he wants the ring, but he doesn't want to kill him. Right, but she can do it. Um, and they, yeah, they move that to the end, um, which makes sense, but it is like a very similar yeah. the way it plays out. The, the only big difference is that Sam overhears this in the book. Yes. Uh, which kind of increases his suspicion yeah. of Gollum. But yeah, <laughs> Master said, bring us to the gate. So good Smeagol does so, which is, you know, he just mm-hmm. takes him to the gate and you're like, well, why didn't you tell us there was a better way? He's like, you didn't ask me for a better way. You said, take me to the gate. So I took you to the gate. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Oh, <laughs> potatoes. What's taters, precious? <laughs> taters, eh? Yeah, we talked about it. That's right out of the book. Uh, them hearing the whistles mm-hmm. uh, of Faramir's men and not knowing what it is. Um, when yes. they see the evil men marching, uh, that's right out of the book. They're like, I thought I heard some whistling. I don't know. Didn't sound like birds. Um, and then the fight between Faramir and the men, including the spot part where one of them gets shot and falls right in front of Frodo and Sam. Yeah. That happens in the book and it's like exactly the same. Uh, and an Oliphant runs through Mm -hmm. and Sam's super excited about seeing an Oliphant. Um, and then a little moment that I'm really glad this is only in the extended cut, I think, but it's a huge moment. It's, it's the only moment that gives us a, a bit of book Faramir, in my opinion, is in the movie and in the book, Faramir, after he shoots that guy that falls near them, mm-hmm. he walks over and he looks at him and he says, he's basically like, was this man actually evil? Did he want to be here? Did he want to leave his home? Would he whether, rather not be at home mm-hmm. with his family? Is he truly evil at heart? It's sort of a discussion on the idea that, you know, yeah, I'm we're fighting them because they're here to fight us. But like, but like. He's not like an evil man. They've like, got their own motivations. Yeah, and yeah which is, a, I think, a very interesting idea. And I really like that Faramir has that. Mm-hmm. Faramir would be the person to contemplate that because we know his motivations. Again, book Faramir would be a person to contemplate that. Yes. Fair, book movie Faramir, maybe less so. But I at least liked that it was in there to give us a little bit of that outside of Faramir. Mm-hmm. Oh, the movie also has the uh, boat dream yep. scene with Faramir. Yep. Uh, and they do ask when when Gollum shows up, that all plays out very similarly where Faramir's like, should we shoot him? And Frodo's like, no, wait, don't. Yeah. And then he's like, I'll go down and get him. And then Gollum gets grabbed by them and is like, oh, no, you lied to me. And Frodo feels super terrible about it. All mm-hmm. of that is exactly out of the book. Um, and, and yeah, the only difference is that Gollum, when Frodo comes up on him in the book, Gollum is saying things about like 
throttling everybody. Yeah. Whereas in the movie at this point, he's like transitioned into good Smeagol. Yeah. Uh, in the book, he's still a little bit evil. And he's like, I'll, I'll strangle them all. And then Frodo's <laughs> like, hey, bud. Maybe don't. Um, and ultimately, Faramir does do the right thing. Yeah. Let's them leave. So that at least is the same in the book. At least a little bit is the same, but it's still not quite. It's not my. It's not my Faramir. Not hashtag. Not my Faramir. <laughs> get that trending. I'm gonna get the shot of him strangling Gollum and hashtag not my Faramir, or looking longingly at the ring hashtag not my Faramir. All right, that's it for movie nailed it. Uh, we're gonna do a few odds and ends, and then get to our final verdict. Okay, we're so close. <sighs> I love when I started reading this, I was immediately like, you can tell that Tolkien wanted this all to be one giant book because this one jumps right into the action instead of starting with like yeah. 20 pages of yeah. background information. Yeah. Again, the way that it's written, as we talked about, and the way it's split up makes no sense from a three books standpoint. Yeah. With this action scene being at the beginning of this book, um, with the, 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 uh, Boromir's death action scene being at the beginning and then Helm's Deep being in the middle of this. Like, yeah. none of this makes any sense as a book by itself, like in terms of layout. But as one big book or as six individual tomes, you know, yeah, kind of sure. makes sense. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I really had to take note of how many alasses <laughs> were in the book. There are a lot of alasses. And I was like, because I, I don't think there are any alasses in the movies. Probably not nearly as many. I think it's a couple. Maybe but. a couple. But like I was wishing that we had done a count. Yeah. <laughs> like starting sure. out with fellowship. How many alasses are there? You could probably, uh, if we can get the digital text, you can just yeah, command F alas. Let's see. <laughs> Do you remember the old forest by Buckland is a line that Pippin Mary says in this movie. And it's yeah. like, nope. Nope. That, <laughs> that wasn't in the first movie. Yeah, that's the uh, the the, uh, the scene with the tree that they get trapped in. Yeah. in the in the first book, not in the movie, but they mention it. <laughs> There's a line where in the book, where uh, Treebeard says that Gandalf is the only wizard that really cares about trees, and I'm like, bro, what about Radagast the Brown? He's, He's like not in these movies. No, this is a book line. Wait, this is a book. This line? is a book line. This oh, is a book shit. line. This is not in the that. movie. This is on page 466 in my version. I have a was an all three together more version. More like an animal guy, maybe? Maybe, but it still strikes me that he might care about trees a little <laughs> bit because he's like the nature dude. Yeah, fair I enough. don't know. It just seemed weird to me that that was... I was like, man, what, Radagast? No? Okay, fine, whatever. In the movie, Saruman has a line where he goes, the old world will burn in the fire of industry. It's like, all right, movie. Like, we get it. We get your theme, but like a bit on the nose. <laughs> well, you know, you can't have an idyllic pastoral fantasy land if it's not being threatened by the specter of industrialization. True. True. It's just the movie's like, here is the theme. <laughs> and if the books, it's a little more subtle, but whatever. Um, I love Mary's face at the beginning of the end movie <laughs> yeah. when Treebeard's like, we must decide if the Ents will go to war. And Mary's like, hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dope. 
I also, um, this did not come up in the movie, no. I don't think. No. Um, but in the book, they talk about how end strides. Yeah, how many end how, strides yeah, how many end strides they travel. And I propose here in America <laughs> that instead of converting to the metric system, we should convert to end strides. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Be pretty imprecise for smaller things, but sure. We could do end tiptoes. And end yeah. shuffles. And end shuffles, yeah. No, that's fair. I like this. Somebody come up with the, whatever the translations. Figure out, Treebeard is 14 feet tall. Mm. Figure out what his gate, what the gate of a 14 foot tall person would be. Divide that up into uh so that's an inch stride is probably whatever you know 10 feet or something yeah and then an inch shuffle is like a a, a quarter of that or half of that and then an inch tiptoe is like a tenth of that <laughs> and just figure out what all those distances are yeah. we'll make our own measurement that's, system. that's more math than i can do so if somebody else <laughs> could just get on that yeah Oh, so then we get some yikesies uh, yeah, from Tolkien. Some yikesies, some <laughs> some big yikes from Tolkien and and uh, the movie and, makers. Yeah, and honestly. the movies. Um, so there's a, a line in the book where uh, I, I Gollum, somebody I don't remember who it is, said, "No, it's not Gollum. Uh, I don't know." Somebody says, "Further southeast, the men are fierce and have dark faces." Yeah, implied that they're like savage. Yeah. And then they have dark faces, and dark they're not faces. fair like the rest of us. And it's, um, a, it's, it's a geesh. And then in the movie, we see them, and they're pretty clearly coded, like, generically yes. Middle Eastern. These are the, the, the men of uh, whatever, the, the evil men that show yeah. up, with the, that ride the the, the, the elephants. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's, yeah. I mean, it's not like the movie made this up. It's They're very clearly coded this way in the book as well, with the elephants and, and mm-hmm. dark faces and all that. But they're very much... Middle Eastern or or even like uh, India, you know, mm-hmm. Eastern uh, sort of uh, coding on them that yeah. is definitely problematic. Of the Orient, to use another yeah. problematic <laughs> yeah. term uh, for your bad guys to and yeah. and again because especially because in the books, I mean, now to be fair, there there is a little bit of pushback with Faramir's character in that moment right. because it is one yeah. of those characters where he goes, you know, is this man's heart truly evil? Implying no, like not really. Yeah. Like they don't. He does probably doesn't want to be here. He's here because somebody told him to come here to fight for something that he doesn't care about. You know what I mean? Like implying that they're not actually evil, but they're still. That being said, all of the bad guys in all of these books and movies are 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 orcs, yeah, or they're like Eastern men, yeah, <laughs> like some sort of you know vaguely Eastern, dark skinned, swarthy people. Uh, that like ha- wear like headdresses and, and you know lots of like gold and and yeah, yeah. It's not it's not great. And then there are other uh, yikes kind of things. Um, and it's similar. Yeah. Too. Um, there are a couple occasions in the book where the orcs call each other apes. Yeah. Which is yikesy yeah. yikesy. Yeah. Um, and then that gets further complicated, I think, by the movie. That arguably codes at least the Urukai as black. It does seem like it, yeah, for sure. You, and you, I mean, I I would need to I think delve a little more into that because I'm I'm not super well versed on like racial coding. Yeah, but I feel like a lot of them have kind of like it looks like dreadlocks or braids yeah. and well, and it is all of all of the enemies, all of the evil people in the movies and in the books 
not all of the evil people, because there are people like Saruman, there are people like Denethor that are right. evil. So not all of the evil people, but most of the evil hordes of the evil enemy are, yes, all coated in non-white yeah. uh, ways of some yeah. sort. Because, I mean, and there was a big discussion about it on the internet, and we're not going to get into it right now, but even, you know, the discussion about orcs and whether or not, you know, just, just in general the idea of orcs and it, the coding of it as you know the savages yeah. this uncivil it's all very problematic and it is worthy of uh discussion and research that we haven't done <laughs> but uh plenty of people have so yeah. you go read about it and and don't what I, what I what we I think we would both ask is to not uh, if if you enjoy these movies and these books which we do mm-hmm. obviously we're doing a whole series about them is to not just dismiss that criticism and go the orcs are what? That's not problem. That's stupid. What? No, they're just the bad guys. What? Like, just think yeah. about it a little bit. I think and- think a little bit critically, um, and you know, similar to some of the stuff that we talked about, like with Harry Potter. I think when you when you love something, yeah. that means that you will take a look at it unflinchingly. Yeah, yeah, and just and yeah, and, and it does. Again, we said it a million times because just because something can have uh, those problematic elements and can be super yikes to some extent. Um, which I think definitely the 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 sort of wild eastern men that mm-hmm. are like clearly it, it's definitely like not I, not great. Um, it, I think it's it just yeah, just think about it, take a look at it, and go maybe yeah maybe there is some yeah maybe it's not a great idea yeah, for um, all of our fantasy to ha- code all of the bad guys as uh, the other dark skinned people. Yeah. like maybe that's not great yeah. thing. Then maybe that's something that we can learn from and do things differently yeah. as we move forward with storytelling. Yeah. And yeah, you can come back and be like, well, actually, Saruman's really what he's Saruman the White and he's evil. So like yeah, okay, like we get okay. you. Just think it's not it's not an end all be all. It's not a it's just a just a think about it, bro. Think about it. <laughs> Reconsider your biases. Then uh, in, in Gondor, they mention uh, <laughs> talking more about uh, J.K. Rowling potential inspiration, and I'm sure this is <laughs> in, goes back in yeah. all kinds of myth and whatever. But in, they specifically say Faramir, Faramir, or somebody in reference to Sauron says, "He whom we do not name." Yeah. <laughs> Which. Yeah, yeah, and the idea of, of naming something and right. names having power, that does... It's its yeah, not a Harry Potter thing. Stretches or a, way back into... Yeah. But just specifically, that you know, it's just like these people talking about the great evil and being like, he whom we do not name. Feel, yeah. You know, it's like... Again, with <laughs> oh, Dementors... Oh, Voldemort? And, yeah, Dementors <laughs> and Ring Wraiths and, and yeah. Butterbeer and Butterbur, all of these things we talked about. There are definitely some elements that you can feel uh, pulled from one or the other. In the movie, the Ring of Barahir is mentioned, and it's something Aragorn's wearing, but yeah. that's not in the books at all mm-hmm. yet. Yet, maybe an appendices thing, or maybe a Return of the King thing. I don't know. Yeah, um, we'll find out. But yeah, there, uh, Saruman talks about the Ring of Barahir, and we see it on Aragorn's finger, and it's like the Ring of the King, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just wanted to mention that. And then Elrond has a really mean-ass mortality talk. Yeah. In the movie. It's not in the book at all. But he's just like, I know it's such a weird scene, and I know people don't like movie Elrond compared to book Elrond, uh, but in the movie, he's just like... He's like, Aragorn's gonna die? Aragorn's gonna die, and you're gonna be miserable, and you're gonna live out your days alone and miserable because you'll be mortal, and that's the worst thing you could possibly be. It's just like, okay, man. Chill. But also, like, maybe I'm a little bit confused about how that works, because like, if she if if Arwen marries Aragorn, does she become mortal? In the movies, she... that's implied. In the books, I think that would not be the case. 
So can she, but can she not then like after he dies, can she not then go to like, the gray go heavens? to the grave? I don't know. May I I think the idea would be that if she were to marry a human, she would then like be she would, like, forfeit forfeit her, her right, right or there. something maybe. Hmm. At least in the books. In the movie, there's a line I feel like I super remember where Arwen says, "I choose a mortal life." Yeah. Implying but, that yeah. she will die. But, but El- like, Elrond in this movie very much implies she won't die, so I don't yeah. I don't know. But maybe like she dies like eventually. Yeah, like a long time later. Yeah, because then they show it and like he's old and dead and it seems like she's still young. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Very confusing lore. Here. I don't know. But that's it. That's all of our odds and ends that we want to talk about. Let's hit the final verdict. Now uh, are you ready for your sentence? Sentence? But there must be a verdict first. Sentence first. Verdict afterwards. There are parts of this book that I enjoyed, like, much more than Fellowship of the Ring. Most of book three, and I'm saying book three in terms of books three or four and four are what make up the two towers. Mm -hmm. Most of book three, all of the Helm's Deep stuff is super well done, and it's fun to read. It's engaging. It goes by really quick. It's awesome. Book four is a bit of a slog at times, and overall, I think Fellowship works better as a whole like on its own book uh, yes. with the way it flows because we don't get two separate stories that then re- one of them restarts after the second one going back in time like or after the first one. Uh, so I think Fellowship just works overall as a better story than Two Towers does split up. And I think the movie makes an incredibly smart decision, an obvious decision to switch back and forth so we don't have that weird split that the book has. So it switches between the Frodo and Sam story and the Broken Fellowship story and goes back and forth essentially chapter to chapter, scene to scene, uh, relatively speaking. This really helps the narrative movie of the movie, moves it along, and keeps the pace much more enjoyable. This movie also definitely starts to make bigger changes than The Fellowship did. The end storyline is altered pretty severely, like we talked about with them not or deciding not to go to war versus going to war in the book. Faramir is a completely different character. We visit Osgiliath, Frodo confronts a Nazgul, and in a reverse of Fellowship, one of the final action climaxes is moved into the next movie. So in Fellowship, they moved it from the next book into that movie. In this book and movie, they move it into the next movie. All of these alterations feel like they fit the overall narrative to me, and I can absolutely see why they made all of the changes that they did. I will say that the change to Faramir is probably the biggest thing so far in this series that I can understand why it upsets book fans, if mm-hmm. it does, which I'm sure it does to some extent. I really, really like book Faramir, and I could completely understand anybody who watched this movie and was like, felt like they did a disservice to their Faramir. Again, hashtag not my Faramir. <laughs> That being said, I think you could easily make the argument, again, that Peter Jackson, his writing crew, and everybody who worked on these movies should be studied anytime somebody wants to set about adapting a dense series of novels into a movie series. One good step, as an aside, is to make each movie about four hours long. That's one (laughs) good way. If you make a four-hour cut, it's easy to include lots of stuff. Yeah. But they really, they like wrote the book on this in terms of doing a great job, in my opinion, adapting these dense, winding, lore-heavy stories into three films that make coherent sense and include all of your moments that you want and change as little as possible. So again, I'm going to have to give this one to the movie for the second time. This movie really does capture all of the best moments of the book for me. It Helm's Deep, 
the the int battle, which we don't get to see in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frodo and Sam's journey. Frodo falling under the ring. My only complaint is Faramir, really, and that storyline, how where that goes. It's really my only complaint in terms of adaptation, but I also understand it. It weaves them all together in a way that kept me interested, even more so than reading the book this time, for sure. Uh, and it still manages to hit all of the major themes that the book is going for, developing the ring and the battle for the ring and the struggle between good and evil and the journey that they're all on. And I, I, I think the movie just does a fantastic job. Uh, and is thus a slight improvement on the book. All right. I enjoyed this book more than I did Fellowship. Um, it's a little bit faster paced, at least in book three. Uh, book four, like you said, a little more of a slog. Um, but despite um, having more action overall in the book, there was still a lot of talking, a lot of walking, and got a lot of unnecessary description. Um, and then the recaps. We are always with the recaps here. Um, Every time we reunite or we run into someone new, we have to recap the entire story up to that point to that person. And here's the thing. I've been reading the book. You don't need to recap all the time because I've been reading the book. Like, I get that it's logical within the world of the story to do this, but it's not logical when writing a book because I, the reader... (laughs) already know i know what happened just say that they shared their stories i know what happened i was there (laughs) tolkien i remember um and that's largely why i'm going to give it to the movie uh similar to how i felt about fellowship i think the movie considers the audience more than the book does absolutely um and eliminating issues like the constant recaps like the pages and pages of history and the description that just doesn't really add much to the story um i think that results in a more coherent narrative um one that can be followed without losing the meaning and the theme or the audience (laughs) boom (laughs) roasted tolkien (laughs) Roasted. (laughs) Got him. Yes, so we agree. Once again, the movie is better, uh, but only slightly. Again, this is is not to the extent that our last summer series where, barring one or two of the movies, the books we thought were just resoundingly, but the movies Mm -hmm. are still pretty fun and good movies, but they're not great adaptations. Yeah. They're just okay adaptations or good adaptations at times. Um, um, these are great adaptations. They're great adaptations, but the source material is also fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, unlike, let's say, uh, Ready Player One, which I thought, again, the movie wasn't great in that <laughs> regard, but it, I thought it made vast improvements on the book. Uh, this one is not vast improvements on the book. It's mm-hmm. just very smart, small improvements yes. on the book that make it a more overall enjoyable piece of work yeah. it's it's smart tailoring choices yes which is what you when you're adapting that's yeah. what you're freaking doing yeah. so good job all right that's it before we get to our next little tease of what's coming up i want to remind you that if you can do us a big favor rate and review us on any of the places you download us primarily itunes is the best one but anywhere else you download us if you can rate and review us there do us a favor and do that also if you can share us out if you like our show tweet about it or post it, share it on whatever, just put it out there in the world. If you're really enjoying this Lord of the Rings series, I know it's a big ask for time for people to listen to a three and a half hour episode about Lord of the Rings, but there are people out there who are into that sort of thing. 
because I, I'm <laughs> into that sort of we thing. We appreciate you. Yeah. You're our people. Well, I'm into that sort of thing. <laughs> I don't mind myself a three-hour podcast if it's going to be about something I'm interested in. Hopefully this was interesting for you. Uh, we're having a lot of fun talking about them like we did with Harry Potter. But they are epic and long, just like the books and the movies. That being said, do us a favor. Help us out. Uh, that would be great. Thanks. Katie, what is up next? All right. So we're going to have another breather. So we have time to read Return of the King. Yes. And potentially the ensuing appendices. Yeah. Um, so what we are going to do next is actually a listener's choice. And we're going to give oh, you right, guys yeah. three options to choose your favorite Dr. Seuss Boom. adaptation. That's fun. Um, so our choices are The Cat in the Hat. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, but it's I have a not seen trip. any. I've not seen any of these. Um, Cat in the Hat, The Lorax, or Horton Hears a Who. Um, now we're not including The Grinch because that's a Christmas movie, so obviously right, we we'll want to save that, save that for, for Christmas. Christmas sometime. Um, so Cat in the Hat, Lorax, Horton Hears a Who. Okay. Um, so polls will be up later today on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Twitter will be an actual <laughs> poll. Facebook will have to be one of those things where you choose a different reaction image to vote because Facebook is super dumb and doesn't allow more than two options on a poll. Nifty. Yeah. Yeah. It's so stupid. But I don't whatever. know whose idea that was, but yeah. I want to throttle them like Gollum. So, reminder, if you uh, want to vote, which we encourage you to, go and check out our Facebook or our Twitter page. Uh, we also are on Instagram, Goodreads, and mm-hmm. Reddit, so you can find us on any of those social media platforms. But Facebook and Twitter is where we'll have the polls up. Yep. So, vote. Make your voice heard. We will be doing whichever of these books gets the most yes. votes cumulatively across all platforms. social media platforms. If you want to comment on like Instagram, we'll you count can. that too. Yeah, we'll count it. Makes it, it less easy. But. Yeah. Um, and then we will announce the winner on Sunday. Cool. Sounds good. Uh, and uh, just to clarify, you don't have to vote for your favorite of those books necessarily. You can just vote for whichever one you most want to hear us talk about. Which. Yeah. May very well be the cat in the hat because I've heard it's not a good movie. It is I've had not. people request that on not. Good, Bad, or Bad, Bad. So um, that one would be interesting. But any three of those cat in the hat, the Lorex, or Horton Hears a Who, go let us know what you want to hear us talk about. And that's it. So until next time, guys, gals, non binary, and everybody else, I want to say a little something. We missed it in Pride Month, and I meant to say this, but I want to say it here. If you're a person out there and you're questioning or you feel unsure about yourself in any capacity about anything i want you to know and i think katie agrees with this i know katie agrees with this <laughs> i think i don't know what you're about to say but i agree you'll agree if you're a person out there who who's unsure or questioning about any aspect of your life i want you to feel like this is a safe place for you our community wants to be a safe place for you i meant to say this like i said at the end of pride month or in our pride month episode and i just forgot to um but know that you're accepted here you are a part of our family and that we love you uh, and that, again, this we, we want to extend a, a community of safety and love on this podcast. It's a big part of what I like about the communities that you can create with with podcasting, with media, with things like this. And we don't have a huge listener base, but I there are probably people out there who... who um, who, who have those feelings uh, about whatever. And again, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to be... I don't want to be specific because there's so many different things that could apply. But uh, it just if you ever need to talk or to reach out, not that we're going to like counsel you, but <laughs> or, or nor are we qualified. <laughs> I just want to make it clear that this this is a safe space for you. So, do you co-sign? I do agree <laughs> with that. I co-sign. <laughs> cool. Anyways, 
guys, gals, non-binary, and everybody else. Keep reading books. Keep watching movies. And be like Aomir. (laughs) Be like Aomir. And Faramir. And Book Book Faramir. Be like Aomir and Book Faramir. And be awesome. That's the point. (laughs) 